want me to be your podcast? You know, I, I, I can be whatever you want me to be. <laughs> now, I was very tempted. I was very tempted to do. Some podcasts give terrible blowjobs, no rhythm at all, no sense of cock whatsoever. My favorite line. I mean, that's, it's maybe one of the best lines ever written. And the fact that she immediately responds with no sense of cock whatsoever. Right. That she repeats it back to him. Yeah. It's one of the most absurd things ever said. Well, I just think there's so much that I love about this film. It's a favorite film of mine, but. And I love Meg Ryan's performance. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of the performances. But I do think the Ruffalo thing, it's, a, it's, it's easy to imagine many actors being cast in this role, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. many an actor would love to play a New York City cop mm-hmm. who's horny yeah. mm. and kind of earthy. And like the world's best lover. And sure, and gives good <laughs> head. Right. But like, could anyone be doing quite what he's doing here? No. Right? No. <laughs> That's what's so, that's maybe the most magic element of this very yes. sort of special movie with all kinds of great magic elements. And I would argue he got dinged less for this movie than Campion and Ryan, but it still arguably knocked his career back a step. At least to the side a step right. or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like yeah. it, it kind yeah. of obliterated Ryan and Campion. He was just like, everyone went like, hold on one second. Let's slow down on Ruffalo. They questioned a little bit. And even you read, like, some of the reviews are like, he's the only good thing in this movie. But this thing was so fucking radioactive. It is hard to, like, explain to people how much this movie was just, like, sort of message as catastrophe. Right. Atomic bomb. Everyone involved should go to jail. Bunk on the head, horny jail. Sure, right, right. Right. How dare you? I strongly remember... Um, something from VH1, and I don't know if it was like an "I love the 2000s" thing, best or, week ever, probably. or or yeah. one, or one hundred hottest hotties. Sure. It was one of those things where they mention this movie, and they mention it in a way that like strongly suggests it's like this is disgusting. Yes. And Matt yes. Ryan looked, and you had got to see her pubic hair, and like it was just this weird thing. My only experience within the cut was just that weird. VH1 voiceover that seemed to really hate it, and I was very confused. But that, 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 it, that it's not thing. hot beyond the right. fact that, like, right. not just that it's oh sure, it's like a sort of sexy, filthy movie, but like, yeah, bleh, like that yeah. definitely was a bit of an undertone to some of the reaction. Of there this was movie. this weird right. two prong thing of simultaneously, right, right? Simultaneously, people were saying, uh, uh, how dare they, right? Like, right. sort of like morally offended. I think. More than anything by, how dare you do that with Meg Ryan? That's not allowed, right? Right. Mm. And then simultaneously people were like, this thing is silly. And it was like both at the same time, like they were like, this is too sexy and gross. And also it's ridiculous and laughable. Mm -hmm. Which are kind of contradictory things. I mean, it speaks to the very specific tone of this movie. But people just like didn't know what to fucking make of it. It made them angry. It was so widely derided. The thing that I had forgotten that astonished me at the very beginning of this movie is that it is a Screen Gems release. It sure is. Which is one of those things that just makes you pause and go like, oh, Screen Gems at this point is like less than five years old. Right. And it was just sort of Sony saying like, we want an arm for smaller movies. And smaller movies was a pretty broad umbrella. And this same season, like within a month, this movie and Underworld come out. 
And that's sort of like, oh, cool. That's the only thing Screen Gems is going to do for the rest of the time. Right. I mean, to, to be clear, Screen Gems had existed for a long time. And, and Sony I'm revived sorry. it as the a... The modern as like incarnation a, of Screen a Gems. A sort of smaller, like, horror slash teen slash genre label. But they were also like, it's maybe for adult dramas. Like, Screen Gems would they acquire a girl fight at Sundance. They yeah, would do yeah, yeah. slackers. Like, it was like... It was anything that felt a little too specialized for big Sony, but it wasn't like Sony classics. Mm. But um, but but, I, but them releasing a movie like this is unfathomable. But they did not finance this film at all. Sure, right. I'm just that's saying. the only thing. That, that's the only. It got right. just to see the logo in front of it is bizarre. It is bizarre because usually you would see that in front of like the Mothman prophecies or whatever. Right, <laughs> right, absolutely, right. Uh, it's bizarre. I mean, didn't this come out on like Halloween too? Yes, it came out <laughs> October 31st, two thousand three. Yeah, I mean, absolutely should not have come out. Well, it should have come out in the summer. Absolutely, in terms of the atmosphere of the film, like that would make the most sense. Hot months. Yeah, Yeah. it's a sweaty movie. Um, I guess it's like a if you're gonna sit someone down and say you got to see in the cut, I guess you would say like it's like a romantic thriller, but it is like that you know there's a killer on the loose. So I guess you could sort of convince a studio like this is a fall thing. This is an adult thriller. But also, look, it had done the rounds at festivals. It was hated. And Halloween is kind of a dump weekend because like, you know, people go to fucking parties all weekend. I mean, it's like Halloween day itself, wherever it lands is always like an incredibly bad movie going day. Right. Because everyone wants to fucking go out. Unless it's a horror movie for, yeah, right, right. But for even then, it's usually like the day before or after that right, movie right. might have a good weekend. But that day is just like a fucking nothing. To release like an adult drama on Halloween just feels like a complete shrug of like, I don't contractual obligation. Mm. We yeah. backed ourselves into this. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is talking about contractual obligations that we backed ourselves into. Uh, this is year seven of a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Uh, it's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion products they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they're in the cut, baby. Sure. <laughs> um, what do you, what, what's your contractual obligation angle here? I just make a joke about oh, okay. us being uh, uh, trapped doing this show forever, which of course I kid because I love it <laughs> and I love you. Oh, I love you too. Can I say I love you to people more? Yeah, you should. Uh, ben, I love you. People. Producer Ben. I love you too, Griffin. Um, uh, this is a main series on the films of Jane Campion. Yeah. It is called The Podcastiano. Absolutely. Uh, today we're getting to... I was thinking with that. Yeah, please. Just really quick. Have you ever thought we could go like uh, podcast, podcastiano, you know, like Mambo, Mambo Italiano? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that, guys? Yeah, I think yeah, I'm going to put you know, that on like a TBD, right? I know, I like, let's it, table. David, I have to admit, I have thought about it. Because, you have thought about that? Well, I have because I kept on saying like, I wish the name of this main series was a little more abstracted. When people hear it, it makes too much sense too quickly. Right. Uh, hence why I've been throwing the Italian accent onto it. And I'm like, no, let's get further away from any recognizable word. It's um, also funny now that the piano is behind us yes. and we're covering in the cut, but right. it's still called the podcast piano. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'll say this. In, in that one sense, I'm glad she hasn't made 20 movies. Like if we had to do 15 post piano episodes and I was still saying podcast piano, I'd feel a little bit silly, so, but I don't. I feel very normal and smart. Good. You are. Uh, I guess and smart. joining us, of course, film critic, host of the Bad Romance podcast and uh, a notable in the cut stand. Recent 
sorry, sorry. Say her name again. I'm sorry. I talked over. Jordan Searles in the Cut Scholar. Well, you recently introduced a screening of it, right? At uh, at Nighthawk Nighthawk. in Williamsburg. Oh, like very recently. Yeah, Yeah. and it was it was a really good time. Like almost every seat was filled. I feel like we only had like four extra tickets or something like that. It was crazy. You are cited on the Wikipedia page for this movie in the (laughs) subsection about like the reclaiming of it. I'm so glad. I mean, I saw this movie for the first time in the fall of 2018 and wrote about it for the first time at in January 2019. So it's just been wild. It hasn't been that long since I've seen it, but I just immediately latched onto it and and I had been avoiding it for years because I had heard that it was bad. Yeah. Wow, sure did. And and I was and I and I've always been a Jane Campion fan. I've loved Jane Campion since I was a kid. I was that kid inappropriately watching the piano. So it's yeah. So it was it was kind of and I was so mad at myself when I finally watched it for avoiding it for so long because. It's so incredible. <laughs> I mean, David, you and I saw it together. You had already seen it. I saw this film when it came out. Right. I've always been an In the Cut fan. On the Oscar watch, Okay. Mm-hmm. I was well known for being the In the Cut is good person. Wow. A little 17-year-old David thought wow. he was so smart, but it was good. Yes. Then and now. We it did see it. It was your Emily Hulk. It was your derided film of 2000. Right. I was probably not that high on Hulk. At right. I think Whereas I, remember... I was the person who was like, I'm telling you, four <laughs> acting noms for Hulk. What a good year, 2003. 03 was really is. good. I'm Here's another my, thing. Uh, 03 list. was a really good year for like commercial cinema. Well, sure. They're they're a great like uh foreign art house independent films, right. but also 2003 has blockbusters that are like good. good. It has good comedies. It has like yeah, yeah, yeah. good populist movies on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um which makes it a little bit of a rarity in the modern era, but my first time seeing it was seeing it with you. Oh, so you'd never seen. It. We went I to the quad, me, you, Alex Ross Perry yes, and his wife. His wife Anna. Uh, that must have been, I don't know, was that a 2017? Few years ago? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that. it at the quad, so I wonder if it was actually it 20, was, if it was, because I know it was playing in yeah. 2018. I don't know if it was. Playing. I think, I mean, it's yeah, at, at the time of that screening, I knew you liked it, but I was mostly going to see it. I mean, you know, we want to make plans for the four of us to hang out, right? Right. Uh, and it was like, oh, let's go see I remember this. we were, right, we were just kind of like looking at like, what, what's a good rap screening coming up right, or whatever. Right, And I was like, oh, I'm like interested in this movie that's a famous disaster, but I, I, I think I was going to it with morbid curiosity more than anything else, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, there was that bizarre feeling of just like, oh, no, this is like good. This is not... Uh, I don't even feel like I'm forming a radical opinion here. No. And the tide had maybe started to turn a little bit, but I think it's gotten much louder in the last five years. Yeah. I was just surprised. And then yesterday I saw uh, my my dear friend, uh, Andrew Taven, yep. and we were talking about how he had been watching Campion movies for the podcast recently. I am. And he was like, I was watching The Cut, and I was like, oh, it's great, right? And he was like, yeah. Uh, you know, I yeah, I guess it is. It made me feel uncomfortable. Sure. And I've spent the last five years so in the mode of like, of course, in the cut is great, and everyone was unfairly critical of it at the time that it took him saying that and then me rewatching it last night to remind myself, oh, it is a deeply uncomfortable movie. Like as much as I think most of the criticisms at the time were stupid, or it is off a movie or, that yeah, does not yeah. like. Well, you he- understand it being off-putting to people, even if I feel like they misidentified. 
what was making them uncomfortable and blamed it on other things that were dumb. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, it seems like it was a movie that people were scared of, which yes. is which is fascinating to me because you know I've always been really into erotic thrillers because I had one of those moms that was just like, whatever I'm watching, you're also watching it. I'm not changing it to something for kids. Sure. Um, so I've so I've been watching erotic thrillers like my whole life, and I think that. I, I was just so shocked because it was just, this is an erotic thriller. There have been so many of these. What's the problem? But it's, I think it's the vantage point of it's it. The, the point perspective. Of the, yeah. It's the perspective of it that really, really makes people uncomfortable. And this is, it. I would say, at the tail end, right, of the erotic thriller. Like, it yes. is become, you know, Unfaithful yeah. is the year before. And I remember Unfaithful having kind of this Oh, like Another Adrian Lyons right. still kind of cooking with gas a little bit. Yeah. Remember him? You know, like, you know, but like. And that movie's a lot more prestige well, like, I, I don't also, even I don't even like that movie. I don't understand why people were going. David loves it. That movie. Rules. People were. OK, fine. Yeah. I love that movie. But okay. uh, but that movie is a very, I would say, right. down the line. Yes. Yeah. Classic erotic thriller. Very male gazy. Right. Not not like in a, you know, a, a, Awful way, but you know, mean, it's an Adrian line movie. I mean, also, I, I right. love the snow globe. Snow globe's good. I love the wind blowing oh, her around yeah. when she's feeling all crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's also acknowledge, yeah. like, Michael Douglas was the king of the erotic thriller Absolutely for like a sure, 10-year right, period. Right. And Adrian Lyon was yeah. the guy who helped define that. And that's the model of what America feels comfortable with in a in an erotic thriller. And Unfaithful is him kind of closing the loop. Mm -hmm. A little bit. Like, and yeah. it's like, that era is done. We have not figured out what the next era of erotic thrillers I'm looking thrillers. at like a, you know, to be Wikipedia, but still a list of erotic thrillers. Sure. And the only other one in 2003 of any note is the French movie Swimming Pool, which is a pretty good movie. Uh, uh, yeah, I like that movie, movie a lot. Um, and, and was like, that was like a breakout. That was like an art house breakout. Yeah, because it was your uncle's favorite movie. But, but nonetheless, it's a good movie. <laughs> it was the first French movie my father saw in like 15 years. It was because well, my mom is French. My dad's very American. And my father has like no interest in French movies. But like, mm. And I just remember him being like, is Swimming Pool still playing? Obviously, this just wants to see this fucking. Obviously. You heard there's the two movie sets of is bad, but a couple years later you have Basic Instinct Two, which is sort of this like, hey, can we like, right? Well, you know, put this back in the microwave. And everyone's point, like, I'm going to get back to this it. in a second. Yeah, and then okay, what wait, else? Swimming pool line? is bad. No, 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 no. Basic, basic Instinct, instinct. Two. Risk oh, Basic two. Instinct Two. Swimming pool's good. I've never, yeah. I've never watched. <laughs> it's not good. No, I mean it's not a. Yeah, it's not. It's not a. It's not a good idea. No, what they did there. No, at some point I want to. Be more thorough and loop back around to all the other weird Verhoeven sequels I haven't seen. Oh, like that he didn't make. Well, I held off on seeing the Robocop sequels for you so long. You finally watched those. Sure. But like, I've never seen Basic Instinct 2. Uh -huh. I've never seen Hollow Men, Hollow Man 2 with Christian the Slater. Direct to video, <laughs> there Hollow are Man. The three right. direct to video uh, Starship. Well, there's Troopers. a lot of, there's a whole world of but Starship. But like Newmeyer directed one. I know, I know. Phil I know. Tippett directed one. There's the Bizarre Showgirl sequel. Oh man, yeah. Pennies from Heaven. That. Yeah, directed or like conceived by one of the supporting sort of actors, actors in the film. and it's all right about now. her character. Look, yeah. As Jordan was saying, yes. I do think it's the perspective was surprising to people. The the you know, but also the Meg Ryan of it, it like just cannot be understated. It was just yeah. It was uh, whatever. It was it's such an iconic example of a star quote unquote defying their image and right. it throwing people off versus yeah. it prompting a claim even though she rules in this movie people's relationship to meg ryan is something that i've never really 
fully been able to grasp. Like, I mean, a lot of it has to do with me not being white. I've mm-hmm. always... Sure. I've always loved her, but the idea of her like stripping naked and getting eaten out mm-hmm. doesn't like it doesn't negate anything. Like it doesn't change the way that I feel about any of her work where she isn't doing that in a way that it clearly did for white people. There's sort of a, a three point like sort of thing to address in sort of where Meg Ryan is culturally at this moment, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about, I mean, she's like, obviously you have like, you know, uh, she breaks out in like Top Gun and everything, right? But then like, obviously when Harry Met Sally is like the breakthrough, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as often is the case with movie stars, not that she isn't also a very skilled actress, but when you transcend into movie star, the one where the audience falls in love with you becomes the thing in their mind. she is, the ultimate example. That's the problem. She's like, also just defining like she was the best version of that. Very packaged right. as a specific, you know, type. Yes. Anytime she deviates from it, forget yeah. in the cut. Just think of like Courage Under Fire or Addicted to Love or whatever. Any movie where she's right. kind of trying to like break out of the right. role she's best known for, audiences are not interested. This movie obviously is way more drastic. A swerve. Right. Audiences yes. are not interested. You know, like it's. She's also, such a talented actress and yet never got enough shots at No, and like no. Sorry, the most go, she was given was like, you can do City of Angels or When a Man Loves a Woman. You can play the sad version of a Meg Ryan she's character. She's great in When a Man Loves a Woman. She's she, a good actor. I yeah. think that she's actually like great and addicted to love. That's another that one movie, that I It's rule. one of that, David's favorite yes, movies. Yes, like yeah. that's one of those that like I heard was bad. Addicted to Love is like really good. I'm addicted planning on doing rules. a bad romance episode on it to explain, no, it's good actually. What is wrong with all Jordan, of Jordan, David has pushed the idea of a Griffin Dunn miniseries many times and I've said to him like we could also just do an Addicted to Love but I also like Practical Magic oh yeah you want to talk about Practical Magic that would be those are the two I mean I'm not like a big fierce people fan (laughs) sure but but like Lisa Picard is famous I never saw Lisa Picard but um but Addicted to Love is great, but even Addicted to Love, sure, she's got the blonde right. hair, it, but it's a little spiky. And, and it's sure, a she's a romantic comedy, con, but it's like a lead. bitter one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, yeah. people were just so sort of reined into what they wanted from her. And I think part of it is like, A, that's what they fell in love with her for doing, right? But B, it's like that was sort of a peak time for those genres. Yeah, absolutely. There was like a right. real, like... Hollywood makes a lot of those kinds of movies, right. and she's sort of a top of the heap. And she was so clearly the best at it. That I think there was also a degree that when she wasn't doing that, people were like, come on, you're depriving us. Why aren't we getting Mm. our Meg Ryan movie this year? Right, right. Fucking, you're being selfish here. Before in the cut, obviously, she's in Proof of Life a couple of years earlier. So that's point two. Which is sort of a again, it's sort that's, of that's the one where she she did it with Russell Crowe and also she like cheated with Russell she, Crowe. Yes. Oh, well, she right her she she her marriage to Dennis Quaid, who of course seems like a totally normal chill dude with no problems at this all. This is what is so uh, I was falls to apart this to my it's father. A huge you know tabloid thing. Like right. they're obsessed over it. It wasn't just that like there was a cheating scandal though. It was like it's it's the Russell Crowe thing with the like yeah. Of course, Russell Crowe is going to steal your lady. You know, he was at the peak kind of like, this is the masculine idea. Russell Crowe was so charged. And it was like, I mean, I guess the phone throwing incident happens after that, this. Sure. He's crazy. Right. But know, also yeah. that next year, there was that thing that I totally forgot about and dug up. And I felt like I mentioned this on a recent episode that there was like 
the FBI intercepted a threat that the Taliban wanted to kidnap Russell Crowe before the Oscars because they thought it was the message that would most destabilize America. Oh, they, were, they were just like, this, this is the hinge point. Despite what? it being an Aussie, they I were do like, remember this would that. really fucking what? shake them up if we, we kidnapped Russell Crowe. They were basically, we need to get the number one movie star, right? right. Male movie star. Right. Sure. I just think, A, everyone was so excited. I'm, I'm doing another list of ABC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but like, people were just so excited that it was like, fuck it, new male star, new fucking he's, he's, alpha male you know. and he's like a heavyweight actor and he can fucking do action right. and all this shit and he's fucking women and whatever and then he fucked Meg Ryan and they were like fuck you Meg Ryan you've gone too far I know it there is was crazy. there was no like shade on him everyone seemed to take Dennis Quaid's side which is a little bizarre considering as you said that he's clearly a very normal I mean, I okay Dennis Quaid was in his parent trap era at the time he was like I've kicked booze right. I'm hot go ahead Jordan. Dennis Quaid is a creep, and I knew this when I was a child. <laughs> like he has always come off like a creep to me. A, it's a very... lot of stories. It doesn't take a lot of time to dig down. No, you guys aren't no. into the Denisons. Weird. No. Well, look, we're all we have no choice. The Denisons is just a reality. We have to acknowledge. Jordan, it. He has a podcast called the Denisons. That's he, a real thing. That it's is, on that now. Is absolutely untrue. No, this is fake. If you think You're about it that way, this up. he's actually a coworker of ours because I he works in the podcast. I absolutely hate this. The thing about it is, is that like I hate both Dennis Quaid and Russell Crowe, and so sure. my opinion to this information was, girl. I want more for you. Yeah. Well, you but know, I she... but I also understand that like. She the thing is also that Dennis Quaid cheated on her a lot too. So it's just like I mean, it's like wild it's just like okay, so so he can so he can go and get it somewhere and she can't like give her some space, man. Absolutely. But I think as opposed to maybe like Kidman Cruz, Willis, Moore, and I think a lot of this was Ryan, there was a perception of like they're the normal Hollywood couple. Mm. Right, they're the right? people magazine friendly types, right? Like, you know, and I think right, stars people like knew Dennis Quaid had a wild man reputation, but it never was like Sean Penn, where it was like all over the fucking tabloids. And I think the perception at the time was, oh, she kind of domesticated him. So by the time she cheats on him, which people were just very into, it's like you right. said, the, you know, her and Dennis Quaid, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore, right. Uh, it was a, a power couple, couple era. Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger, yeah, right? Like, famously stable relationship. Right. I, but I think they were perceived as the most normal. Because yeah, Meg Ryan is the girl next exactly. door. Exactly. Anyway, so it's after like that, that betrays that. And then the third thing, which we just have to acknowledge, is she turns forty, right? Sure. And I sure, think she yeah. is aware of the fact where it's like I can't be Meg Ryan within these narrow confines forever. I need to, in some way, sort of start to experiment with what else I can do. Well, post Proof of Life, she yes. makes Kate and Leopold. A proof, great film. So Proof of Life is like step one of like, can I try to work in sort of the Courage Under Fire genre, right? Yeah, that yeah, movie's a flop movie. and it's a fucking... Not uh, a bad movie. Nightmare for her uh, press-wise, right? Uh, then, uh, as you said, um, Kate she does Leopold. Kate Leopold, which is her highest grossing film in the last 22 years. It's, it's, her, it's last her last Meg Ryan Meg movie. Ryan movie. Right, right, yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's and she's movie. doing it with a younger man and it's sort of like her being like, I maybe got one of these left in me. Yeah, new, Before, new star. I, I just, I'm a woman now. Like, I can't keep on playing these sort of what you call the the flibberty gibbet roles. And I mean, you can, and you can see it in Kate and Leopold where her whole thing is like, yes, I'm Meg Ryan, but also like, I'm tired. I'm tired of your shit. I'm tired of all of this. I, just, I may be a little over being Meg Ryan. It's yeah, her character it's, in Kate Leopold. Because, yeah, because yeah. he's been ripped from the timeline. 
elevators no longer exist. My favorite part of Kate and Leopold, yeah. because he invented the elevator, yes. elevators start vanishing. I, that movie has such like weird, fungible like rules about like time travel that I am obsessed with to well, this it's, day. It's that weird mangled effect of just everything's a little better than it needs to be. I, I agree. Where I, you're I, just like, he puts a little more thought well, into the logic well, of these things it, in a way that makes it like, it's also compellingly the huge, bizarre. It's the sort of Hugh Jackman is early, and yes. so he's not picking his projects yet, and he's been like shoehorned into this like he doesn't know who he is as a movie time star. travel right. you know English Lord thing and yep. he just is sort of, again he's just kind of like 20% more yep. than whatever like right. someone else could have been I don't know I defend that movie um, I mean, yeah, no it's good but that yes so that's you want to like, watch Kate Leopold right now we should yeah, put it yeah. Um, <laughs> episode over his that, butter scene really good the oh butter. man sure. <sighs> But that that movie is a hit, right? And and just to go it's back, a, it's, here, a, it's a solid hit. It's just like to, a, right, to acknowledge right, an obvious thing, right. ninety nine is you've got mail. So she ends off the millennium with like fucking third time around with Hanks, Efron again, just doing the exact thing. And then it's like hinge point two thousand. Russell Crowe, Proof of Life, Kate and Leopold. Okay, you're back where we want you. Mm-hmm. Now in the cut, and then in the cut is obviously intended for Nicole Kidman. Yes. Uh, Campion had been working on this movie since the mid '90s when she read Susanna Moore's novel, which came mm-hmm. out in '95. Yeah, um, Kidman acquires it. Mm-hmm. Like Campion takes it to Kidman and is like, "Your company should option this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting." And Kidman reads it and is like, "I agree." So that was the plan, right? And it's like right after Portrait of a Lady. Mm-hmm. This book's published in '96, '95, '95. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, they have this idea mm-hmm. that they can finance the film themselves out of by by doing all the foreign pre-sales. Okay. That they're like, we have Kidman, we have a book that people can read. Sure. And Campion says she feels bad because she told Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Who uh is obviously a no major producer of the moment. Doing. Yes. Yes. That it could be kind of a seven type. She compares it to seven huh. him. Yeah. Mm. And she says, like, I probably shouldn't have done that because it's not a great comparison. Like, obviously, there's yeah. sort of superficial comparisons you can make or whatever. But like, right. But Harvey, I think, heard that and was like, like, lady we could seven. Use a seven. Like, you know, right. like, you know, right. like, great. Yeah. And then the budget inflates and, the, sure. and they're, they're in t- the whole thing gets harder to do. Right. Harvey's involved for a while and then drops out. Okay. Um, because he's insane and awful. Uh, or whatever he's doing his usual bullshit where he's I don't know sure making yes. weird demands about the story or uh, you know what I mean yeah yeah so they drop out and Pathé ended up funding the entire film twelve million okay okay and then but Screen think, Gems gets distribution yeah but Kidman is such a huge part of the package uh, absolutely right? you know, like obviously and this is look we talked on Portrait of a Lady like up until this point but you know uh, Kidman post divorce has this like kind of wild run but she also drops out of a lot of things like she's supposed to do panic room and drops out like a week or two before that's a big one right similar she's, time. she's really making like strong choices in her movie stardom and and uh, you know some of them good some of them bad she's post divorce she's post eyes wide shut which yes. is this huge grueling shoot she had a bad knee injury she said right. which is the reason she didn't do panic room she right. says it's the reason she didn't do this movie yeah and she also said, like, right, because Moulin Rouge was like a two year shoot because that was of her a crazy injury. Thing, right? right, right. And she said, like, I love, I was so happy when Meg Ryan got the chance. I love when people get chances to do things you don't immediately think, oh, that's perfect for yeah. them. Uh, I love all of Jane's films. People like her change the world artistically. I mean, she speaks very, like, yes, uh, benevolently about, like, that was great. Meg Ryan's great. 
Now, like, I, no, no beef. I don't think in either of these cases the film would have been maybe loved by no, but the film would people would have gotten it yes. with Nicole Kidman. And, I and guess. by the way, I think they would have gotten it with Jennifer Jason Lee. I think both of those are actresses. I just to do the mental experiment because I was watching the movie and like flipping them in my head. Certainly, I mean, right, Jennifer Jason Lee. This is just an art house movie, right? Right, but like Kidman, it, you could have because I mean she does fucking movies like Birthday Girl around no, the course. same period of time where yeah. people are like, I don't know, it's a crappy Nicole Kidman erotic there's, thriller. There's no question, wow. right? Like even if they disliked it, they wouldn't have been like, how dare you? How do you feel about Kidman in this movie, Jordan? Like you know the original plan probably works. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it. It probably works, but there is something I think that Meg Ryan brings something so interesting to it. Like I. Like, I believe Meg Ryan as an English teacher, I think, more than Agree with Nicole that? Kidman Absolutely. as an English Absolutely. teacher. Absolutely, yes. Nicole Kidman is, like, a harder-edged performer. Like, she yes. would maybe a yes. little tougher to sell as a... Because, like, there's elements of this character that's kind of... She's a little bit of yes. a... Yes, Whatever. And Meg is, Meg is strong, more but. chill. Her presence is more chill than I think that Nicole's would have been. Agree. Ne- Meg Ryan's a much more naturalistic act. Yeah, And, yeah. like, that's... And I love and I Good. love Nicole Kidman. I'll watch anything with Nicole Kidman. But I ride she's... I ride for Destroyer. I think that it's actually really interesting in a situation where like you might be on the Destroyer episode, whatever that happens. I... Not a lot of Destroyer riders out there. No, like yeah. well, the thing is, like I feel like the Destroyer situation is similar to the Meg Ryan situation with this, which like it's Nicole doing something that nobody really expected her to do and nobody really wanted her to do. And just really rejected her. I mean, the makeup didn't help, but just like no. rejected her on it. Whereas like, yeah, this is something that you would not expect Meg Ryan to do. And I think that there's an easy rejection that comes with that. But I, I think that Nic- I think that Nicole could have done it. But I also think that Nicole did Eyes Wide Shut and that was quite enough. In, like, right. That's yeah, that arena. right. She's sort of been in yeah. that zone recently. That's true. The, the movie is better for having Meg Ryan in yep. it from today's vantage point, but it certainly worked against the movie at the time. And and yeah. I think Nicole Kidman is in general a far more stylized performer. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think this movie is so stylized that it helps to have someone in the center of it who's like very raw and understated think, and gentle. I think that's what discombobulates people yes. a little yeah. bit, right? Yes. They're like, yeah. I don't get it. Is this movie X or is it Y? Because the like, movie still does have vaguely 7S Aesthetics, like it, it has like the color palette of a Francis Bacon painting, yeah, the, like, the, and the, the weird the shallow focus, yeah, 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 and the, yeah, yeah. the jagged editing, and all these exactly. things. And then to have someone at the center of it who's not sort of steely and holding their own in this femme fatale way, I think made everyone go like, "A, how dare you make us look at Meg Ryan in this light?" And B, she feels miscast because she's not matching the energy of the you look of the film. That. And it's like, but she is. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. She, she, it's. It's just like the thing is, is that when you have a kind of like noir, not everybody is going to be on the wavelength of that. And that's what's interesting, because if everybody's playing the game, then it almost kind of seems like like a joke a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't know. I was thinking about like who else I could see in this role. And like aside from Nicole Kidman, I would honestly say that like. Holly Hunter could have done it. I mean, yes. <laughs> Holly Hunter could have done this. Holly, 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 Holly Hunter has a similar... And the yes. thing about Holly Hunter is that, like, I don't think that she had the same, like, confines in terms of, like, no. what people expected people from were, her. People, once again, she'd might not did, have liked She'd the already movie. done Crash by this point. They wouldn't have rejected it as, yeah. as violently. Yeah. But again, that 
would would have put it more in an art house bucket. Yes, this Whereas, is true. Where it, yeah. it probably just would have been in a different cell. But yeah, this movie probably I don't know. This probably not probably not going to go over that well. Well, no. I mean, I I wonder if it's just like it was a bunch of like mainstream audiences watching it and expecting what they usually expect from her, and it's like, yeah, I guess you don't really think about Meg Ryan as an art house performer. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Look, this is one of those movies that famously got an F cinema score. And there's that argument that you could now, like, curate an incredible film festival, a retrospective series of just movies that got Fs from a cinema score. But but the thing about the F rating is that is solely reflective of audiences feeling betrayed by how the movie was marketed to them, right? Yes, exactly. Because you're gauging people who went to see the movie opening weekend, had that desire to go see it, and then feel like they were bamboozled or tricked in some sort of way. That's usually what an F cinema score suggests, yes, of right. course. Like, this is not the movie I was expecting. Right, I thought I was in seeing a, bad a fucking cool Brad Pitt crime movie, and I'm watching him do monologues about the economy collapsing. Great movie, but that's, uh, that's like an I example. Know, I know, Pumped I know, out yeah. into 2,000 screens Solaris, I thought this was like a sci-fi movie. Right. What is, why is everyone crying? Yeah. It does make you question, though, like, what you're saying, Jordan, people just don't want to see Meg Ryan doing this. But then you go, what did people think they were buying a ticket for? Like, I understand that being well, upset, who knows? I don't understand what, what they thought look, they were seeing. There's just some movies like that that are just not, yes. they're ahead of their time or whatever. They're not sure. for their moment. This movie rules. It had its defenders. Speaking as a little snotty teenage defender of this movie, it had its defenders at sure. the time. Partly, you know, the Jane Campion factor is always huge for that. Manola Dargis wrote a review where she was like, it's kind of the Best messy movie of the year. Yes. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, it was not universally despised, but obviously it was not a awards contender. And the Meg Ryan thing just sort of dominated the contemporary discussion. And then the year so after much. this, there's uh, what's it called? Against the Ropes, the Charles S. Dutton boxing trainer movie mm-hmm. where people are like, what the fuck is this? And then she's sort of like is gone for three years. Yeah, she comes back in the Valley of Women. That movie doesn't go anywhere. Does the rim, uh, the V Women remake. Like, hasn't done anything in seven years since directing a film. Has mm-hmm. done, like, in the last ten years, like, three TV pilots that didn't go, where a couple times networks have been like, it'd be cool to save Meg Ryan, right? Like, we should reclaim her. But it, it she just really winds down more and more after this movie. The Women was her big commercial play. Her yes. only big commercial play that since I can then. remember since right. then. Right. Um, she was in a Curb episode once. Remember, yes. she'll, she'll show up in something and you'll she be like, did four oh. episodes of Web Therapy, the Lisa Kudrow thing. She was going to be the yeah. Bob Saget of the Greta yes. Gerwig, How I Met Your Father, yes. that never uh, went beyond the pilot. Also, oh man, that would have been so much better than, it's a than, clever yes. idea. Than, than, Kim, than what Kim Cattrall is doing. Right, it's Kim Cattrall. Not only, <laughs> I had, no, I have not seen it. But it's I, not I've only, seen the first four episodes. It's not yeah. only that it's her voice, but you see her, right? Because they're trying not yeah. to get into the box themselves in by filming some kids and then realizing like, oh shit, these kids are going to grow up Weird. and it won't make any yeah. sense. Well, so like, you're seeing her on a couch. Or no, yeah, you're seeing her on the couch. But I also think the thing is, is that like, unlike in the original, 
um, where it was very clear that the kids were going to turn out to be white. The show keeps on having Hillary Hillary Duff's like dating people who are not white. Oh, so okay, if we that's saw, another right, right. If we, you if can we saw right, the kids, right, right, right. Then when we would know, what even if you I'm shroud pretty, them in darkness, like a like they're on CNN just, or whatever, like, like the blowjob scene and in the cut. <laughs> she's literally just looking at a computer screen that we can't see. That's wild. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> no, but I found ridiculous. there were like two other like TV movie quote unquote credits on her IMDb that were pilots that didn't go. Mm. There was some like she's a fucking magazine editor show they tried to do. Like they've tried to do it a couple times and, and she just is sort of seemingly semi retired now. Can we talk about Ruffalo a little bit? One of, one of the great. <sighs> I mean, he's Let's like get rough. What a man. So he's this Arthur? like theater dude who talks about he like couldn't get hired for so fucking long. Right. The sort of supporting roles in indie movies, and then is just has this like insane breakthrough, and you can count on me, right? Great performance. This like great fucking movie that gets yeah. Lenny, who's been respected for a while, the Oscar nomination, and it's a two hander, and everyone's like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And immediately everyone perks up, and they're like, "Well, this is a new leading man." Mm. Well, beyond he got the the Brando talk. It's that yes. anytime someone shows up and gives this sort of mumbly natural performance, right? And is handsome. Right. There's the immediate kind of like, is this sort of a Brando type? Right, they're like, like, this guy's you know. earthy. He's sexy, but he's a serious actor. He's got this interesting masculinity. So they start trying to put him in things, right? And he's, sure. he talks about he's getting courted by all these big directors. He's taking just massive meetings. He starts to get put in a couple big studio movies. And then he has this like fucking horrible health crisis. He has a brain tumor. He has a brain tumor. It was like, they thought it was an inner ear infection. It becomes a brain tumor. And he's like out of commission for like two years. Uh, it, I guess it's right. It's a year. He has the brain tumor in 2001. Yeah. So it's right after you can count on me. There's a bunch of stuff he drops out of. Like he's supposed to be walking Phoenix and signs. Yeah, right. That was the big, that's the big one that I remember. There's another big movie I'm forgetting that. that he turns down where it like he doesn't want people to know that he's sick because it's still a time in Hollywood where people hold that against you. I guess so. So yeah, he I like mean, sort of gets pegged with like, is this guy torpedoing his career? Why is he dropping out of all these big movies? But in reality, he fucking had a, a very scary experience. Uh, yeah, he had, you know, an operation. He was out of commission for about a year. Obviously, he has some facial paralysis, which right. you you can see to this day. Things that have only made him more compelling and charming as a performer. Uh, he was, I think, deaf in an ear for a while. Yes. Anyway, the whole thing is, you know, that, that's an early, early, but the, he is, this is his comeback movie, uh, basically. This is my exact point. So it's like, the perception at the time is like, this guy torpedoed his fucking career for this? Like, he dropped out of all these other movies. And this is what he's doing instead? Does he, like, not want to be a movie star? Sure. Um, and post this, he has this interesting little run of supporting roles that he's really good in. Eternal Sunshine, mm -hmm. Collateral. He's in Just Like Heaven, which he feels, like, kind of uncomfortable in, I feel. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and 13 going on 30. Well, like, he's cute in 13 He's talked about that he was just, like, A, he wanted to, like, prove box office viability again sure, by being in hit be movies, in a, right? Yeah, and movie. B, that everyone just said, like, this is a no-go. You're never going to be considered for romantic comedies. And he sort of out of spite was like... I'll give it a shot. He'll right. give it a shot. And then he got stuck in this fucking corridor. And it's like, bit. he did View from the Top, 13 Going on 30, Just Like Heaven, Rumor, R rumor has, has It. Rumor has it, yeah. This was a period of time where my brother called Ruffalo the mailman. 
because it was like this guy used to be a great actor. He's fucking just mailing it in, standing next to a woman. Yeah, going, but I like, love. I, I don't know. Honey. But you see, I was always again <laughs> snotty little guy, but yeah. I was always like in the cut, Eternal Sunshine, Collateral. Yes. Like these are two. These are three really weird performances, very different. But he's the, taking supporting roles sure, this with is interesting directors. Yes, yes. I'm saying after the Collateral yeah, and yeah, Eternal yeah, yeah. Sunshine. This is a lead role. Yes. Collateral is the one where I feel like people walked out of that movie not knowing he'd been in it. Right. Because he looks so different or, yeah. and he's not in it that much. And that, you know, like that was just really, mm, right. you know, Collateral. You have <laughs> Reservation Road and We Don't Live Here Anymore, which is very middling, but him sort of doing the earnest adult drama thing. Reservation Road was one of those movies that was sort of like, well, that's an, you know, Joaquin, Ruffalo, Connolly's right. had must an Oscar, be, yeah. Terry George. Right. You know, like, you know, and obviously, no one's ever seen that film. No He's one's ever seen Blindness, which was another one where it's like, oh, that's the follow-up from the City of Your God, Constant Gardner guy, right. Julianne Moore. That'll be big. I would argue Everyone's that blind. despite being a flop at the time, Zodiac was the moment where it's like, oh, he's kind of reclaiming the role that we all thought he was going to take on. 100%. Right? Kids Are All Right is his first Oscar nomination. Right, like which that's at that how long point it is, took. it's sort of like, oh, that feels weirdly overdue for a guy who in 2000 felt like he's about to become Edward Norton or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. And then for yeah. Kids Are All Right, you're like, it's funny that this was his first nomination. He's hot it's in such that a, movie, like, too. He's very hot, but it's like, he's essentially hot and charming in that movie. He's like, I did four days of work on it. I was in this period where I thought maybe I didn't want to act anymore. He was trying to direct. And he was like, I did like less than a week on this movie and I got this Oscar nomination and now I guess I'm back. And then he fucking gets Avengers off of that. Pretty much. And like, you know, Shutter Island. Great well, now, Matt, Yes, there's Mark, a good run here. Yeah. Well, you know, like, yeah, he rules. Do you like Ruff apart from him? Do you like to Ruff you know, Are you a general Ruffalo fan? I love Mark Ruffalo. I, I mean, part of it is that I find him to be very hot. So um hot. and also I heard that his kids call him Papa, which I also find very hot. I call my father. Papa. I just Papa. That's very just so, there's just something hot about that. Yeah. No, but I love Mark. I love Mark Ruffalo. He's amazing, and, and you can count on me. Which I actually saw. I saw that after in the cut. I had never seen it. It's, it's like so he's so good. yeah. No, I think that he's great. I think that he has it. I'm. I am very. Continues to have it. He continues to have it. He's always had it. He will. He will always have it. Um, and I'm very. And I will be very happy when I don't when I can watch him do not a Marvel. I mean, like he does do not a Marvel. I, I would say like, that's a appreciate, job. right? Is yeah. that he at least he'll consistently do non Marvel right. stuff? Yeah. And anytime the Marvel stuff comes up, he's like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like, but I can still watch like Dark Waters, and right. I can be like, yeah, that's my man right there. Yeah. And I mean, and yeah. there, David and I talked about this, but like. In our Space Jam episode, we took stock of the fact that, like, essentially since being brought into Marvel, Don Cheadle has done 10 Marvel things and two Showtime series. Right. He's he's kind of just doing that. Right. Like, Don right. Cheadle's right. kind of an actor we lost to movies outside of Marvel. Now maybe he's coming back a little bit. Right. But, like, Ruffalo has sort of, like, he's kept things did fairly you guys watch balanced. That twin thing he did. No, no one watched that. He no. got like an Emmy for no. it. Like, I know. It was a thing. <laughs> and he, like, he's now had four Oscar nominations? Three. Three. It's Foxcatcher, Kids Are All Right, and Spotlight. They knew. They knew. They knew. Um, it's funny how everyone was like, Spotlight's going to get like fucking three best supporting actor nominations. And then it was sort of like cannibalizing each other. And he was the one who got in because he has the Oscar scene. He does have the Oscar scene. No disrespect to him, but he would be like my fourth pick out of that cast. But it speaks to at that point, everyone was just sort of like, yeah, Mark performance. And I remember at the Oscars that year when 
everyone's expecting Stallone and they announce Mark, I was like, they're fucking giving Ruffalo the career achievement. I, for that second, when they said Mark, I was like, it's Ruffalo. No. Well, it wasn't. It was Ryan Lance. It wasn't. It was Mark Ruffalo. Um, Mark Ruffalo Another is guy so hot. his penis sucked on camera. That's true. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo is so hot that... Slipping that in on this episode. We were just <laughs> talking about Because it's a movie about, about blowjobs. It is a movie that begins with a blowjob. Yeah. Basically. Uh, it's pretty much the first thing in the movie is uh, fr- Franny. Uh, Franny yes. Avery. Yes. Is meeting a student. She's a high school teacher, right? Or is she like a... Is this... Is just, I, right? Okay. Okay. Wait. 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 I was wait. trying to figure I me too. That, I thought that it was community. College. I think that's it might what be I community thought. College. That's what right, I right. Right. Yeah. Like, that was her my students reason. are fairly young, but they do look older than yes. like you know teenager teenagers. Right. Yeah. Cornelius looks like he looks like twenty. Yeah. yeah he looks right. like twenty. Okay. So she. All right. Yeah. She's a writing teacher, kind of. Right. Like she's yes. a teacher, but I feel like she has a writing. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's a creative writing concentration. She's talking yeah. to Cornelius at a bar. I guess that's another indication that he's not 17 years old. Right. They're at a bar. Yes. yes. Um, and, and she sees this sort of, she like walks back into the back of the bar and sees like uh, a woman sucking a guy's dick. And, you know, there's like blue fingernails mm-hmm. and, and the guy has the tattoo. Like that, those are the only right. details, right? Yes. It's, it's all Otherwise mysterious. Shadow. Right. Um, but, it, but this is shot like, anytime they show up and see the new dead body in seven like I, I, right. you know what I'm saying? like the seven analogy is interesting um now griff yeah you're, you're downtown griffy nooms it is what they call me this yeah. is a movie that's very much centered in downtown manhattan yes it's very much a, a an east lower east side, oh, lower east side. so this right. bar that's what i just yeah. I felt like we yeah. have to say because mm. this bar um, they is like a recurring sort of like setting in the movie. Yes. Um, it is so Lower East Side. Yes, even just down to like the, you go to the bathroom in the basement, and it is they're always truly terrifying, and it looks like you're going to get murdered there. I'll say this: uh, the year I turned twenty one, I lived on Second Avenue and Sixth Street, and I'm very glad that timed out the way it did because I feel like. At the exact moment that I could legally go to any bar I wanted to, I got the final wave of all those bars before they closed down. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just all those fucking incredibly grimy in the cut. Has someone been murdered here tonight or people having sex in that booth bars? <laughs> I got before all of them got turned into fucking city banks. Truly. Um, yeah. But yes, it is. It is interesting to watch this movie now because it captures such a specific moment of. Uh, the, the the Lower East Side is still genuinely grimy. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I noticed um in some I I really don't like reading negative reviews of movies that I like. Like I don't like like that's not something that I enjoy. But I did mm-hmm. suffer through a few of them for sure. this one. And the way that they talked about New York is just like it's a fake kind of like seventies esque New York, and it's like it, it's and I'm just like. I mean, no, not really. I mean, it's it's shot in a very stylized way, but it looks more like New York than a lot of movies set in New Absolutely. York. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the show, I feel, like we invoke whenever we talk about sort of old New York movies or new New York movies or whatever it is. But there's this point in which I think between Seinfeld and uh, fucking Sex and the City, mm. the public's idea of New York radically changes. Sure, And New it's York also is... Giuliani's coming out and he's like, Disney Store, Times Square. And everyone's just like, New York isn't scary anymore. Sure. At best, the tough guys are a walk-on part in one scene and they give you business and you tell them to fuck off. And like all of New York is Magnolia Bakery now. 
Well, I think that like large swaths of New York were right. We're sort of being cleaned, quote unquote, cleaned up. Right. You, you have a, a certain amount still... of shows that are very selectively covering certain neighborhoods and establishments. And it starts to as wild. The mayor's getting out there and saying that he's cleaning it up. And I think it is wild. That in 2003, people were like, what is this fake, dangerous New York well, she created? And it's novel, like a pretty fair representation of what New York felt like. In the novel way. is set in the West Village um, because it was written in the 90s. Sure. And Campion changed it to the Lower East Side. Because West Village had already been totally Bradshawed at this point. That, because, right, yeah. she's like the, 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 it's a little more, you know. Yeah. So, like, there's, there's that danger she obviously wants to seek out. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruffalo uh, is playing... I mean, there, of course, you know, like he's playing a very specific type of cop that I think, you know, he's he's doing the thing where he like did a hundred hours shadowing these guys, yeah. these like scumbags, you know. As had the uh, as had um, Susanna Moore, like the author of the mm-hmm. book, like she'd spent tons of time in like riding around and going to crime scenes, and like they basically had this takeaway of like these men are kind of doing whatever they want to do, mm-hmm. like you know, it's like this they're. It's kind of frightening, but yeah. also undeniably, they have a lot of attraction. Like they're very attractive to people because they have this kind of like no one's fucking checking in on them, right? Which I mean, is why they're like both hot and really scary. At this which movie. I mean, <laughs> it's the whole fucking dynamic yeah. of this movie, and it's it like in microcosm, the, uh, this movie's whole expla- exploration of sexuality and power dynamics in general is like this weird thin line between like hot and scary. Um, he is just so bizarrely good at both playing cops, which he's done a lot in yeah. different modes, right? Detectives, but also yes. like, uh, in, in collateral, right? He's this collateral like sort of slick in, back. In know. fucking uh, Shutter Island. Mantra, oh, he's a federal marshal. He's a duly appointed federal right, marshal. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but also he is incredibly good at playing New Yorkers, right? Yeah. Like you look at yeah. shit like Margaret. Where you're just like, he really gets like New York specificity. He isn't playing it's some funny. one he's, size fits all. He's quote like unquote version. from Wisconsin. And right. like, I think he spent his teen years in like Virginia or whatever. He's certainly not a New Yorker at all. And he's like, like yeah. a very gentle, politically pretty radical guy. <laughs> and you're like, like, he's always like, ride. I, I imagine him like riding up to me on a skateboard and asking me if I like, you know, want to sign his fracking it's petition. Like very crunchy. I think his wife's name is like Sunshine. <laughs> but like, it's, he's so weirdly good at playing both Sunrise. Pops. Had to I correct was you there. Pretty you were pretty fucking close, close my man. <laughs> he's yeah. so weirdly good at New Yorkers and cops. And is this the only time he's played a New York cop? Uh, I guess so. So he's like, um, so he's fucking bringing it all together, and he's arguably in peak hotness at this point. I think he's so hot again, Jordan. I don't. I mean, you we agree that he's hot, but I feel like at the time people were like, ah, this. What's this like porn stash he's got or whatever? What's this whatever, voice he's whatever, doing? Whatever, you know, whatever. these people. Listen, listen. I don't understand people, what is I mean, wrong. Like this is like as a as a professionally horny ex Baptist person, mm. I truly do not understand. Everybody sounds so puritanical. It's like, oh, he's got a mustache and he's talking about eating <laughs> pussy, and it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like watching him eat Meg Ryan's pussy. And it's th- hot. That is hot. It's hot. And then and- get on top of her and like hold her shoulder and all that. That's all super hot. But then I would say almost as hot as then him post sex 
recollecting on the older lady oh with the big oh bush God. who yeah. taught him yes. how to wow. eat pussy and like yes. you know like no. in this like weird yes. mix of like macho and vulnerable you know what I mean the, like the he's hottest. like I kind of don't want to talk about this but you can tell like he kind of wants to talk about this the hottest thing for me the thing that I don't know if I've ever seen a movie depict is like Oh, wow, that was some sex we just had there. She's Can like, we dissect the sex who we told just had? You, who told you how to Right, do and he's that, like, let me right. tell you about that sex we just had. <laughs> and then he starts having sex with her again. And I'm like, right back into it? The shot of him laying there naked. Obviously, like, so I have the DVD which has the unrated cut, which, like, this movie is sort of weirdly hard to... There's no Blu-ray of it except for, as we discussed, there's the weird... A, do you know about this, Jordan? There's oh, six, degrees six Degrees of Kevin, of Kevin Bacon. Bacon. I have it. Right. Oh, I have it. The weirdest <laughs> no. set of all time. Does that have the unrated... I, I, I didn't I, check. I don't know. I, I don't really know. don't know because I, I also have it on DVD. Yeah. So, right, right, right. So, yeah, no, I don't know. I'd have to check. But that one, that one is so wild because it's got... Hollow Man Flatliners. Um, flatliners. Um it's abandoned. It's the, the it's, big picture. Is it it's it, wait a second. Is it like trapped? Is trapped. it trapped? I'm trapped. sorry. I was abandoned. abandoned and trapped. Yes, confused. I can't believe that I, I used to mix up trapped and panic room all the time. It's like and one then, of, one the of them has lies? Kevin Bacon and one of them has Jared Lowe. <laughs> it is a weirdly blank checky box set. It's wild. Like for it how is, disparate the films are, it's it is yeah. a several, fairly good encompassing. Oh, and it's got where the truth lies. That right. McGoyan. <laughs> exactly the threesome movie. The, yeah. the, the like, what if Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra fucked you? Movie. That's right. what that movie is. That's, yes. Um, it's just bananas. Yeah. Uh, like exclude the big picture and swap in one more kind of horny bacon movie. Sure. Like you know, because it's not giving you like the other sides of bacon, the other sides of bacon. Yes. But it is a good encompassing of like. I guess they throw in like wild things. Erotic right? like, bacon. Yeah. You know, like that would be like, uh, it's a fairly good sweep of those. It's just yeah. wild that it's a Campion, a Verhoeven, mm-hmm. a Schumacher, mm-hmm. a fucking Nagoyan, Christopher Guest. <laughs> right. I, I don't and know who I'm, made Trapped. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Luis Mandoki. Oh, right. Yes. The guy who did like Angel Eyes and yes. oh, he did When a Man Loves a Woman. Right? Okay. Um, anyway. Um, uh, uh, I I will say I I think this is where you were going with this, David. Yeah, I was watching it on Netflix out of convenience. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Right the now, Netflix yeah. compression is so bad that I was like, I'm gonna switch over and put my disc in because I don't want to lose any dick in this. Well, also, <laughs> like it was the, so crunchy and the, the movie's so shadowy. It is, but the American cut has a little like it chops little bits here and there, yes. so you don't right, you know, because they've got an NC seventeen. I believe the Blu-ray is the unrated version, but I might be wrong. Um, you know, yeah. uh, Campion's line about the NC seventeen rating was, uh, "How do you know your film's going to get uh, past the rating? You don't know until you try." So mm. she, you know, she submitted what she submitted, mm-hmm. and they cut out, they cut out like the visible penis in the blowjob right. scene, they, and they cut out a little bit of Ruffalo dick. Yeah, but the the shot of him lying there, all casual, very casual, naked. Yeah. And her, she's standing there and she's taking her dress off and he's like, yeah. take those off. And she shakes her head. You don't see that in Hollywood no. movies. Like it, it is, there, there's like a, you know, it, it is not just like, let's get to business. You know what I mean? Like that there's actual foreplay uh, depicted in the movie in a non, in, in a, in a non sort of goofy or scary way. Like it's not there to build the tension or there to, you know, like. It's extremely real. It's, it's there to emphasize his prowess their intimacy can i read this meg ryan quote please so this is her at the toronto film festival before the movie is uh declared uh the movie uh, doesn't go over well right a class five uh health threat to the public um uh she they're they're asking her about doing the sex scenes which of course like before the movie came out was already the talking point you know 
Right. Uh, when I think people were. A lot like, of people do that. What are you supposed to say? It, it's I don't know. I mean, this, this is one of that. the ultimate examples of the, like a Meg Ryan publicity. I mean, the, the Michael right. Parkinson interview being the most famous, where people just keep asking her, like, well, how could you do something like this? Well, and I think it, with movies like this, there was always this thing of, like, will the American public pay because they've always secretly wanted to see her <laughs> sure. naked? Right. And she was in this weird zone where it's like, no, Meg Ryan has to remain like a Cupid doll for me. She, like, she has to be. I just think the public did not want to have to engage with her as a woman with wants and needs. In any way. And she's so hot in this. Like, I was yes. told, like, the way that people talk about her body it's in reviews. Insane. It's insane. Really like, what are and you even her talking face, about? Everyone's just like, she's too old. She shouldn't be doing this. This is embarrassing. She, it, it's so, it just speaks to how puritanical America is. Yes. Because, like, Isabel, like, Isabel Huppert could do this in her fucking sleep, man. And we would all... And once we would, once and, again, right. Then, and, then they're like, oh, well, I know what that is. But these so, are all right, people. Right. It's like yeah. fucking Holly Hunter did the piano early on. Kidman did Dead Calm early on. It's like if, if you are able to make that part of your reputation from the beginning, people will continue to accept you doing that and they won't accept it this late. Um, but I also think it's this thing that I think... Uh, I, I think this is true of the piano as well. I mean, several of her movies in particular, but like, She's talked about how fascinating she is by watching people who are naked because it's like there's an awkwardness to it, right? Sure. Of your physicality when you're that exposed. But I also think as opposed to so many nude scenes in movies that are like so composed and sort of like choreographed and all this sort of shit, she will hold on shots. So in this way, like R Ruffalo, what you were saying about him just laying out fucking casually, but like Ryan too, you watch like the physics of their bodies changing as they move. Which is a thing that you realize you don't see in movies. That is like, yeah, everyone looks different sitting than they do standing up than they do lying down. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. She's asked uh, on the red carpet or whatever while fucking promoting this movie at Toronto about doing the nude scenes. As you said, Ben, one of these questions where it's like, how, what the fuck are you supposed to answer? So were you comfortable doing the nude scene? And she's saying like, you know, she would have preferred not to do it. But like, you know, she felt like she trusted Campy and all this. And she said, I think the scenes are really good, though. I think they're very honest. Jane didn't want them to be coy, so I don't think they are at all. And I love how much dialogue is in those scenes. That's what makes them really intimate. Yeah. Yeah. Agree with that. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. And we're all right. like agreeing the hottest fucking moment in the movie is the two of them talking in between the first but two it's times all they fuck. Oh, pretty hot. Oh, yeah. I think. Yes. Yes. Uh, I also love that Kevin Bacon is in this movie. Uncredited. Uncredited in a fairly small role. And I think Kevin Bacon is so handsome and I you love, love him. him as an actor yes. playing the worst, least attractive guy in the world. He's playing a, a text from your ex post. The way he's styled, the way he's inexplicably shirtless a lot, the yes. dog, everything about how he seemingly appears in the middle of a conversation yes. he's been having with his, someone. His like, energy is always wrong. He is so always weird. misreading. the. He's too light when he should be serious. He's too serious when he should be light. He's the worst New York City boyfriend. Like he encapsulates that in yeah, some I way. Like truly. I feel like I know so many people have dated guys like He feels him. like a fucking Instagram screenshot of just like this is this insane thing this guy sent but to me he, after one fucking Tinder date. <laughs> right? Like all of his dynamics of like threatening to put the dog down it's unless like, she takes it. And it's like, what are you talking? We don't have a relationship. He, like, oh my God, him just like walking up to random and is like, will you have sex with me? I'm going fucking insane. Yes. 
And also the idea that he was a soap opera actor who played a doctor that now is in medical school. This is... But it's not presented as like a noble thing of like, he realized he wanted a more substantive job. It's almost like he got off on people viewing him as a doctor. He's like, oh, I should oh, do absolutely. this for fucking real. Absolutely. You know? And this guy, like, and after like fucking Meg Ryan, it's like, okay, well, maybe I should just fuck your sister Jennifer Jason Lee. Like, it's this so is fine. insane, <laughs> right? And you're like... Is this some weird negging move from him or does he actually have this little tact that he doesn't think that's a fucking bananas thing to say after you've broken into this I think he apartment? has no tact, right? right? I do think, but like he's also, obviously he's there as a red herring yes. kind of, obviously. Right. That's like, although he's so ridiculous that it's hard to think like, oh yeah, this is the guy, right? Like sure. it would be too obvious. Um, but um, I just applaud Bacon for being like, yeah, I'll do that. What three scenes of me just being unpleasant, like yeah. in a funny way? Like so, it's, he loves, it's funny. He loves uh, it. Bacon he crumble. loves being unpleasant in movies, and good for him. He's very good at it. There's the profile guide. I don't remember where it was from, but I read it. But it was in the early '90s, I think, when <sighs> Tremors was coming out, about how he just made the choice where he's like, "I'm ninth on the list." Right, right. I'm, I'm a not, movie I'm star? never gonna hop. Brad Pitt or Brad whatever, Pitt, Tom you know, Cruise, like, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And he's like, I would rather be like the best character actor and just hand myself over to great directors and be like, I have no ego about how small the part is. I want like, I I want the fucking part in A Few Good Men rather than being turned down for the Tom Cruise role. Mm, you know, right? Yeah. Give me like fifth build. Let me be uncredited. I don't care what it is. Yeah. And and being freed by no longer needing to like play the game of the rat race, but also like I get to play weird, unsavory characters now. And not be told that it's digging my quote because you still need to be the guy above the title who can sell a movie with right. some sort of accessible movie star persona. This is, I think, the cornerstone of why he's like your favorite actor is just that pivot that is just so unconventional for someone in his position to do. I think yeah. I, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. That's the other reason the Six Degrees things exist, that because was he's the, willing to be an ensemble guy. But it meant yeah. that someone taught that game to me when I was little. Like, like oh, yeah. there's this actor, Kevin Bacon. You may have seen him in a movie, yeah. like, and he's in all these movies. Right. And so I started to do it like where I would learn what movies he was in so I yeah. could play the game. Yeah. But then I started watching the movies, and I was like, he pops in every movie he's yeah. in, even yeah. if he's the seventh lead or yeah. he's the star. Yeah, anyway, I love Kevin Bacon. He's very good at identifying so what the... Like the most fun role for him to play would be in any film. Uh, yes. Um, anyway. Anyway. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. So she sees this beach in a bar. Mm -hmm. While she's there with her student. Yeah. Uh, while she's there with her student, it's sort of thrilling and frightening. Right. And then not long after, there's a murder and a limb gets dumped in her garden. Uh huh. And a cop shows up. Kevin Bacon's also just sort of hanging Kevin out. Kevin Bacon's garden. hanging out. It's yeah. hot outside. Right. She's seeing subway poetry and writing it down. Yeah, that's I'm trying to think things. of like some of the elements that are floating in the air. Like, this is one reason this movie discombobulated people, I think. Yes. Like, as much as it is a murder mystery and a sex thriller, yeah. it doesn't proceed like with total narrative ordinariness. No. And our, our friend, uh, uh, Raisin Tory, friend of the podcast, 
um, worked on this movie as like a uh, intern uh, PA in the art department. Yeah. And said like she had like a fucking 300 page lookbook for this movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, That he was just kind of obsessed with and had never seen someone who had sort of uh, that depth of sort of like um, sort of visual vision for a movie. And that the thing was where so many lookbooks are like, here are other shots from movies that this is going to be like because there's so much trying to frame to other people like here are things you know can be done in this medium or to sell to people. Like, it'll be like this other movie you know. Her lookbook was like all different types of art, like so many different weird influences. Right. That that she's throwing so much shit in the pot here stylistically. I think that's confusing to people. But yes, I mean, it's just like reading the Wikipedia synopsis, the plot synopsis of this uh, movie. Where the fuck was this? Um it's it's one of those things where once again I step back and I'm like, I understand why some people think this movie's weird. Paragraph two is like it's like, you know, she stands there watching, and though it's dark, can see a three of spades tattoo on the man's wrist and the woman's blue fingernails. That's you know, opening paragraph, setting up the movie, erotic thriller mm. normal. Paragraph two. Periodically as she rides the subway, Franny reads poems that appear on posters in the subway cars, which seem to have bearing on her own life. New paragraph. Several days later, Detective Giovanni Malloy. You're like, right, that's a whole fucking element in this thing. It's a good element. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love the subway poetry. I also just love, I love it when the subway looks like the fucking subway. It's the mm-hmm. real subway. Like, yeah. Stolen shots as opposed to sort of yeah, exactly. a fake commission car. Right. right. And it's like that weird sense of New York is she's like searching for inspiration yes. in various areas of her life. New York is this kind of bubbling cauldron. Yeah. And like subway poetry is funny because it can be very profound. Yes. It's also super mundane. Right. Like it's just, you know, on a subway car. I like, feel like it's disappeared a little I bit. I know. I but miss it. It's still right. No. You know, they still have Right. It, it was yeah. like by the MTA. Now everything on the campaign. subway is just wear your mask. Right. You know, like, but uh, but it yeah. was poetry in motion. Mm-hmm. And you just have poems that would get swapped out every six months on subway cars. Um, I love it. Yeah. Uh, again, just what a next like sandwiched in between Doctor Zizmore ads. Okay. Mm. Will. Could we uh, talk a little bit about Jennifer Jason Lee? Yes, my one of my favorite people. She's another one who is just like, no, I don't need to be a leading lady. Absolutely, yes. I will right. do this. This right. is interesting. I will. I yeah. will do. I will do single white female, and I will kill. She's so good at that. She's yeah. incredible in that movie. She, obviously, she. Yeah, and that is a high point commercially for her i feel like right yeah 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 that was definitely that was the, the closest point. maybe she ever came to like having a movie star thing right yeah that could have been like quantified and replicated i guess yeah. so. i mean there's the early there's the fast times you know the early oh, yeah right, which yeah, i yeah, feel yeah. like we both would have she was great in that movie, fucking obviously. given her an oscar nomination that year right? but at this point yeah like what's what's jennifer jason lee up to she She's did like the anniversary party shit. right road to perdition good in that yeah, is the year before this? Right. I guess she, right. She had that hot '90s early, like where she's right. in like Georgia and Mrs. Parker and the Vicious. Like, right, where she's in like these talky, right. interesting. Indie That's the movies. period where right. critics are like, "Is she the best actress in America?" Like, definitely. And I think a lot of it was just also her choices, yeah, and, and her representing different types of women who weren't in movies. She she's, sort of came synonymous with that idea. Yeah, in this, she is. Uh, 
she's Meg Ryan's chaotic sister, I guess uh-huh. is the best way to put it, right? I don't I, know. Yeah. And man, I love her. I, and I love how casually they talk about her antics. <laughs> that she, she's got good antics. She's just she's just fucking this married doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stealing his suits from the dry cleaners. Then like she just casually is just like, oh yeah, I gotta go to court. There's a restraining order. She's a, she's a more gentle sweetie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And like, but there's an appeal to Franny, like right, yes. like there again. This is sort of like a side of her that she's not unlocking. Meg Ryan's character, but also once again, it's like Jennifer Jason Lee is comfortable in this milieu. If you're an audience member watching this movie, you're like, yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee fits into this universe. Yes, right. She right. she makes sense. I accept her in these images. I think it's part of what they're calling out that it's like. Meg Ryan is aware of this world existing and she yeah, has been right. adjacent sort to of it, on the outside of but it, at right. arm's length you said Patrice O'Neill yeah oh yeah love him. Patrice, to see him great yeah. use of Patrice Incredible O'Neill use of here Patrice. locked in I would Fair. say yes uh, and he's that, that, so that cl- good that you like you forget that it's him <laughs> you do you kind of every time you're like I forgot he's in this yeah. like <laughs> Uh, that's a real club, that club okay. that she lives above. That was yeah. on Church Street and like white, you know, right by the tombs, right by the prison. Yeah. Down David in looked at me, by the way, just for the listener <laughs> at home. Um, continue. Have you been to the tombs? No. no. Okay. I've been to the tombs. I know you have. Yes, I know. It's been discussed, I Fake feel ID, like. baby. Um, but, uh, you know, that, you know, that weird sort of no zone. It's still a weird area of New York. Between yes. Canal Street and, and uh, Chambers Street. Yes. Where there's the prison and the courts, so there's a mm-hmm. lot of like bail bondsmen, and there's, there's like the the on ramps to the two bridges. Yeah, it's just a bit of an odd area. It's anyway, so, so like that's weird. that area. Center Street. There's like yeah. jeweler, a lot of jewelry places. Yeah, you know, yes. like the fringe of Chinatown. Fringe of China. There's some good Vietnamese right. places on White Street. Still are. Um, but anyway, so like that's where that is. Mm-hmm. That's where she okay. lives. Anyway, so she's got the chaotic sister, mm-hmm. and this cop comes and questions her, and he's got a creepy partner, yes. uh, played by Nick. Dimitri, I don't know that guy. He is mostly known as a screenwriter now. He like co-wrote all of Jim Mickles' movies, and he's the Mm. star of the Stakeland movies. Yeah, not a not a not a series I know. He's he's like like genre stuff, right? He made that movie. He wrote that movie Bushwick. That's like. Is it a one take movie? Right, it's like the Dave no, Bautista. No, you're confusing. It's it's a survive the night movie, but it's not a one take movie. Oh, okay. I think it was one take anyway. But yeah, but it's right. It's like yeah, it's called Bushwick, but it's like a genre movie with like zombies or something, right? There's, Invasion of aliens, or, th- uh, threats, and right, right. he's got to get her across. It's, it's, it's funny. It's almost like a children or men sort of. Uh, thing. But yeah, Jim Mickle's like a, a good uh, direct. Cold in July. We are. We are. Uh, this dude wrote all of those movies. Well, he's, yeah. he's here. Uh, and But anyway, like, is it that, like, he asks her out and she kind of rebuffs him and then when she gets attacked on the street and hit by the car, that's when she has him over, right? Yes. Yeah. It's another interesting thing this movie does that her, like, bruises develop over time. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's she like comes in... out of the car accident with the scrape on the cheek, and then the next day she wakes up and she has the black eye. One thing about the attack sequence, there is a horrible fake scream. Like, oh, sure. Canned scream. Is it a Wilhelm? 
I might it might as well be. You're like referencing yeah. some like really old scream. There's a famous scream that like everyone fucking uses, and it went from just being like, oh, it's an easy royalty free stock scream, and now it's like an in joke with directors sometimes or editors or whatever sound mixers. Well, but it's like a. Well, we'll, we'll put it <laughs> in. Star Wars you're hearing uses it. it like whenever a fucking stormtrooper falls or whatever. Sure. No, you're hearing it right scream. now. Yeah. 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 Um, but. Uh, I assume she's being attacked by. Look, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. His partner is the killer in this movie. Yes. Is David, he atta- Come on. Shut up. What is, is, <laughs> is he attacking her there? Like, is it happening okay, right so then? The way in which the killer is deployed in this movie is so wild to me because, like, now that I've seen it so many times, mm-hmm. I realize, yeah, that's, you know, that's absolutely him getting his dick sucked in the beginning. Yes. And it is absolutely him. There's the scene in the coffee shop where um, Jennifer Jason Lee and Meg Ryan are like talking and there's a table behind them and he's just sitting there. Wow. For like That's interesting. It, oh yeah, you miss him in the fr- he's, right. he sits there and he listens for as long as he needs to gets the information that he needs. Like I think he needs to know where she's staying or something. And then like we cut away and we cut back and the table that he was sitting at is empty. But yes, no, he's in there. <laughs> it's, and and it's I funny. the tattoo is some kind of cop brotherhood sure. thing. Like, yeah. It's not right. to do with him being a serial killer. Right. That's just that fucking cops and firefighters it, are always getting right. these like specific it's tattoos. Just, yeah. of, like right. we're the kinship. Yeah, right. Fucking, yeah, yeah. right. That's, yeah. What, yeah. that's why but, he's the red. Mark Ruffalo is the red hair. But, but right. yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. But I do think that that is him that attacks her because yes, he's trying to on. figure yes. out how to how to like he's just yes. yeah so you find out that he's just been following her throughout this movie right. it's been <laughs> like, happening like he's right. such a, a, like a, an openly misogynistic loud unpleasant <laughs> he, he like tried like, to kill his wife or right. something he like, tried like, to kill his wife because like she because she threw out a statue that he <laughs> that he like won for some kind of like a Latino kind of statue. I'm not right, really like sure. Right, like whatever. Yeah, like yeah. some some award. But it's but like, funny. I mean, like, so he doesn't get a gun. And I'm like, oh, great. He's still a cop, but he just doesn't get a gun. This is the funny thing, though. Like, fucking... this movie is playing on our relationship to watching thrillers like that. Right. Like this, in the sense that, like, you're like, hmm, who could it be? Ruffalo, this tender man with a sort of dark aggression to him, right? Right. And then, like, or like a... Uh, Kevin Bacon, this fucking like oddball creep who sometimes explodes with temper and has boundary issues. I mean, for Campion to have Bacon in her movie and not show his dick, the, the restraint. It's, I, it's I, I'm, I'm almost offended. To but. not to not put a strip on the pan and let it sizzle. Um, but but this guy, Nick Dimitri, you look at him and you're like, well, it's not this guy. It's too obvious. Right. Like, this he's guy's just, just like this guy he's sucks. The he's a fucking wife beater. He's an asshole. He's a misogynist. They took his gun he's away. He's the and you're one like, who's well, he there, wouldn't be the killer because but, he's already too awful. But he's also the contrast where it's like, oh yeah, like right. you know, Ruffalo's character might be rough around the edges, but he's sensitive and that's right. interesting. Right. Or you're whatever, just like you know? if a guy is this coded up front of being like a problem, then you're like, Well, he's not the killer because then there's no mystery here. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, and then they right, but uh she gets Accosted, mm-hmm. she gets hit by a cab and fleeing. Goes back to her the apartment. Cab says, "I didn't hit you." Oh man, I love that. So he's, realistic. He's just like, "I didn't hit you. Uh, I didn't do anything wrong, but I'll give you a ride home." <laughs> you hit me, <laughs> right? You, yeah, really, we're equal forces here. Yeah. Uh, she goes home and she, you know, does order the best medicine you can get after a bad night out. A dicking from Ruffalo. Yeah, just like a fucking night with Ruffalo. Yeah. Uh, and they have this very steamy, like, you know, we, we just talked about it. It's great. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's so hot. The foreplay is hot. The sex itself 
is also hot. Like, right. I appreciate that. Yes. It is distinct hotness to both. And then to well, the Well, they had that conversation afterwards where it's like, I think I've never been with a man. Every man I'm with tells me what he wants and how to do it. Right. And and I don't think I've ever been with someone who's like asked the same of me or whatever it is. I'm fucking sure. paraphrasing poorly. You uh, know what I'm saying? And she's finally got yeah. a story for her sister too, because yeah. her sister's always the the you know the one with the stories. Who knows if uh, the lunatics uh, submitting IMDb trivia can be trusted? Mm. Uh, but but here are two stats that are here listed under spoilers that I find interesting. Franny Meg Ryan spends forty percent of the film in her underwear and nude. I don't know if that's true. Detective that Malloy, Mark Ruffalo spends 20% of the Where are these numbers coming from? I don't know. That's not true. But she's certainly naked in the movie playing, which is great. Yes. Uh, and nudity is great. Um, Who is doing clothes math? Exactly. Yeah, what is no, this? I don't she's know. I, that's the creep. People on yeah. IMDb just, well, that's that's a wild place. I'm glad that the message boards don't exist anymore. Uh, hold As on Campion second. says. I, I'm sorry, I'm just checking who submitted this fact. It's Detective Richie Rodriguez. As Campion says. He's the character. Oh, okay. I'm joking that he's not an IMDb user, which he is the sick fuck. I've been As Campion says. Stop. Stop. Hush. Dr. Chase Meridian because she chases Batman. Um, he's not blindly fumbling in there. He's working his way to pleasuring her. He's paying attention to being and to be paid attention to is a really beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, obviously to have movies with that, that kind of intimate sex. Because like with Basic Instinct, I love Basic Instinct. Yes. But the, the, the undertone of every sex scene of Basic Instinct is, is she about to murder him? Right. right? Like, or whatever. Like, is this right. about to go over some Everything's crazy Everything's so edge? over. I mean, it's like the sex in Basic Instinct is like a parody of sex. A hundred percent. It's like yeah. the fucking sex scene from Hot Shots Part 2. It's, well, it's like, it, I mean, obviously it was directed by the great Paul Verhoeven, but sometimes it feels like it was directed by like a glittering diamond or whatever. Right. Like something where you're just like a, the fakest thing, you know? Right, right. Um, in the cut, the sex is very intimate and real. Mm-hmm. And then you're, then it's like, okay, back to my murder case where someone is like cutting heads off yes. of women and like putting grizzly. them in plastic bags. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like this, yeah. like really, and like putting a ring on them, you know, like there's this whole serial killer pattern. What's the term pattern. she asks him? Not dismembered, but he uses a term. He uses, oh Di- fuck. What uh, it, uh, disarticulated yes Ooh. that is it. yeah there's something about that uh and like you know later there's that thing where he's sort of he's like she he's cutting through the esophagus the yeah oh. the t- like right. he's cutting on her. this guy likes blood and i think that stuff is really good in this movie because yeah. he's not saying it in that kind of whatever you know cop with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth like steam rising super dramatic he's saying it in a more mundane matter of way. fact yeah well, and it's yeah like, that's what's scary is for a guy like this how you can become desensitized to this and this is a job yeah he's able to look at it and clinically go i understand what's going on here and that makes her go is he a sociopath (laughs) that's what the Susanna moore said about her experiences shadowing the detectives like it's a different from a beat cop where you're like you know the detectives it's like she's like it's no way to live you're only visiting these fucking insane crime scenes (laughs) that are so ghastly right yeah and like so obviously you have to turn parts of your brain off right like you know like just to deal with it i mean everyone makes fun of the sort of like iced tea meme of like you're telling me that this <laughs> where he's still he's been on the case right he's been 20 25 years, years. Yeah. but i truly some think guy likes to diddle himself thinking about cupcakes you know that, that whole thing <laughs> i truly believe that is because it is harder to relate to a character who's like oh yeah one of these 
Yeah, versus right. like Seems that insane. guy who's right. still just like this fucking makes me angry and I'm perplexed. Yeah, it's like I mean, this is a dude with kids. This is a dude with an ex-wife. He's got sleeps on the couch. Sleeps on the couch. Right. Like he's just he's not gonna. He can't just go into work every day and put his whole heart into it. Like it's just, right. He's got other shit to do. No, but also you do anything long enough and it's like, it just, it becomes the reality of your life. Yeah. You know? uh, A part later in the movie when Meg Ryan is like, you were thinking about like this ghastly murder while we were just sleeping together. He's like, it's just, it's on my mind all the time. (laughs) Like it's just a reality (laughs) for him. Like even she is like, that is sick, man. Right. It's like, no. It's like, like, at at any point in time you can ask me, I'm thinking about opening quotes, you know? (laughs) It's my job. I'm on the time. Of course. Right. 24 seven. It's not like I just like struggle to pull up an opening quote five minutes after we agreed to start recording the episode. I'm thinking about it all the time. Um, I'm, I'm sort of looking through the dossier to see if it, I mean, there's just so much Meg Ryan just clearly loved making this movie, loved yes. working with Jane Campion, yep. loved doing something different. I, I think she's like, very positive. Here we go. Like, Here's my bridge to the next stage of my career. And everyone's like, bridge has been shut down. Chris Christie's come in. He's fucking exploded this. It's so wild because like, you know, I feel like when when we have like filmmakers like Jane Campion, these these female filmmakers who are like, you know, really trying to go for something different, really trying to give actresses something else to do. And they get so excited to work with them. And then everybody acts so fucking weird. Like, why are you doing it's because this is a job like it's like. I would get bored doing the same thing over and over again. And like, as a person who has finally met Jane Campion, the moment that I met her, I was just like, I want you in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It is just kind of astonishing that the piano worked so well. Sure. And the Holly Hunter casting and piano, which seems in many ways as bug nuts, looking at where her career was at that point as this just totally fucking worked for everyone. Yeah. It's like this bizarre thing where someone makes like an entire career of movies that are all very much of a piece, even if they're tonally, stylistically different. And one time everyone's like, yes, we all can get behind this. And the other time people are like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Absolutely. Um, I want to say something else about the sex scenes here that is so good. Please. Mm. Apparently during the filming... Mm-hmm. Uh, Campion would just be shouting things at Ruffalo like you're not at school anymore you know what you're doing like she was really trying to get him in the headspace of like no you know total confidence right. please like, I love it and Ruffalo's response is it was very stressful I was really scared and Meg was currently dating Russell Crowe and I was <laughs> like am I gonna be like you know like, what does she think of me like so <laughs> it's interesting to think that he was so self-conscious yes. in these scenes where he's oozing yes. confidence yeah. like, it's unbelievable right um, yeah. but yeah uh, anyway sorry but yeah the the the, the the thing with, with that you're talking about is the Ryan casting, in my opinion, is a total success. Correct. But in terms of how the movie went over at the time, it yes. was not. And that's right. that, And it's funny because the, the piano could have gone that way and it didn't. I, I think it is one of her greatest skills is being really smart of about using the baggage of her stars in interesting ways, right? Like playing with the expectations of what you know these people do. Like that's, I mean, that's like, the most effective element in Power of the Dog. A movie we'll obviously cover soon, yeah. but where you're just like, is is he miscast? Right. Like you're watching it the whole time That's being like, he's almost it. pulling right. this off, but why would you hire him to do this? I think it's And then the movie like totally warps your brain around that and it's like, oh, that's the whole fucking point. Um, right. 
And I think I think piano does similar thing. Holy smoke does similar. I, I mean, yeah. Anyway, these are incredible quotes from Ruffalo. Ruffalo might be the great, the great one. Might I, be the best. I mean, one. I adore him. He's talking about the method, method <laughs> yeah, acting, right? Sure. He's like, people use it as a shield. It shields them from being vulnerable. I hear all these young actors who are like, "I'm method. I'm going to go live in the house. I'm going right. to, you know, <laughs> it kills spontaneity. They'll give a good performance, but they're not playing with the other actors. It's all about them. Yeah, spontaneity and vulnerability are gold on screen and stage. They're fucking magic. When Brando reaches down and picks up the glove and puts it on his hand, which is an improvised moment on the waterfront. Yeah, that's magic. I appreciate Brando in a way he's ideal. But the opposite, this is what I love. Mm-hmm. The opposite end of the spectrum is Marcello Mastriani, who had a lightness of being, a joy in his acting, wasn't precious about it. He did good movies and bad movies. He's bad in some. He's great in others. Yeah. He has a sense of humor. He loved life. People had a good time around him. I like his career better. My style would be one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. Yeah, he fucking That's rolls. That's the line where I was like, come on. He's the goat. No, <laughs> it's one foot on the banana peel. <laughs> there is a bizarre lightness of touch to Ruffalo in whatever he's doing, whether the so role is heavy or not. So easy for this to be the hackiest shit, this yes, role. Absolutely. I'm the fucking tough cop. You know, right. you don't mess with me, yeah. suck my dick. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, but also know. I'm the king of cock. That was my audition. Yes. Campion left me out of the room. You did not get a call back. <laughs> 17 year old dude. Hey, I'm a tough cop. <laughs> yeah. Can you grow a mustache? Uh, no, no, I can't. Why are you so tall? <laughs> um, what was the thing I was going to say about uh, the rough man? I don't know. Yes, it's, it's uh, uh, fascinating. There's, there's the moment. This is what I was going to say. There's the moment in You Can Count On Me, and I haven't seen the movie in an embarrassingly long time. I haven't time seen it in a long time. I've been meaning to rewatch that fan. one. Yeah. It, Lonergan's one of those guys where, like, if he ever does another fucking movie, we might just be like, fuck it. Four, four episode Lonergan series done. We got to do it. Um, Absolutely. Because he's probably my favorite living dramatic writer. Cool. But uh, there's the moment You Can Count On Me, and uh, Jordan, if you've seen this more recently, mm. uh, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, we're like in the middle of like a fucking monologue scene with. Um, Laura Linney, like a bug comes into frame and he like, or like a butterfly or something and he holds his hand out and like catches it on his hand and keeps on talking. And it's like the exact thing you're talking about or that he's talking about in that quote, which is like, here's my big dramatic moment and now there's a bug in frame. Like rather than like try to ignore this or like go like the take is fucking blown, he just worked into what he was doing. You know? I I do not remember that. I'm going to look out for it now. I've heard a lot of fucking actor friends of mine cite that as just like, that's the moment I realized this was the fucking guy. Mm. And I would like to have one moment like that in my entire career. Mm. Where you're just, it's such a state, like Zen state of flow, like comfort with the material, but also open to any spontaneity that happens, you know? So <sighs> he rules. He's got a nice penis. He's got a great dick. Um, uh, yeah, fantastic dick. Another person gets murdered. Their head's in yes. a washing machine. Right. This is number two. Very gross. Uh, love that scene though scene is so good love how it looks yeah. uh, this film shot by Dion Beeb by the way one of the heroes of the 2000s mm-hmm. he shot Collateral he shot Miami Vice right he uh, defines the Michael Mann digital look yeah right I feel like he he did Gemini Man recently but he hasn't done a lot of work recently but he's hmm. he's Rob Marshall's guy so he's shooting uh, Little, Little Mermaid, Mermaid. Uh, great anyway uh, but um, what if Little Mermaid looks like Collateral that, or, or like in the cut <laughs> yeah uh, I, would, I would love that. <laughs> um, and then there's that scene where he takes her 
and he's like shooting at the garbage bags in the water, and then what she's a, a good shot. Date. <laughs> would write that, like, I, what a go great shoot date. some garbage. Yeah, go drive down abandoned road, shoot at some garbage in a lake. Ben took out his notepad and wrote down proposal ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Watching this movie. <laughs> Just like kiss on the is, foot of the car. Is ring in garbage bag or on gun? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously that scene again is sort of supposed to, I guess, be red herringy, and then it's like, oh, is he like taking her to an abandoned spot? Is this dangerous? Well, you're He's taking out his gun. Like, is this guy hiding something? And you're like, no, this guy's like pretty transparent. Right. He's this like, is yeah. just what this guy wants to be doing, right? Right. Now. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. in a pretty comfortable state with himself. I mean, even just the scene with the wife thing, she keeps on being like, Look, we both know it. You're fucking married and cheating on your wife with me. He's like, no, I'm, I sleep on her couch because I couldn't afford to move out. My mom fucking drives me crazy and I like seeing the kids. Yeah. And she just keeps on assuming that he's like fucking misrepresenting there's something, something else, to her. Right. Like there right. must be something else going on. Yeah. You've got Cornelius, her student, mm-hmm. like gets, does he get arrested or he just gets like hauled in? He, gets, he gets brought arrested. in for questioning. Because he like well, wrote something in blood? Or, there's the right. point where... Uh, she and he keeps like uh, saying John Wayne Gacy was was <laughs> in- innocent or whatever. Like, the John, some, like, the John some, Wayne Gacy thing is so funny because like it's very it's clear hot take. that it's supposed to be something where you know I mean I wrote about this in my review just this idea of like men making excuses for each other being fascinated by each other is like oh but he must have done he must have thought in the idea that like if a man is very violent it's because he lost control and not because he like intended to and there's all of that subtext but it also just like seems like and i don't know if cornelius was black in the book Uh because i have not read the book but it just almost just seems like yeah you know brothers they have like conspiracy theories it felt very like i don't know it was it was a really interesting way to have i mean him being into conspiracy theories makes sense especially because it's like clear that he's not actually a violent person he's just weird right (laughs) he's odd right that's the thing but they right he's being read as well you must be a suspect because he's weird well the ad well this is part of the movie is just like all everyone's kind of weird and kind of threatening some way or another yeah right yeah right bacon's character being the most like nakedly threatening but also the least actually threatening problem right Right. Right. and cornelius still gets like because when he shows up at her place like near the end and he like has like he's it's clear that he'd been punched and he'd been punched by the cops have beat him up right yeah because there's the earlier moment right where they show her like sort of the contact sheet of all the possible suspects and you see for the first time that like 85 percent of the suspects are young black men and you're Mm -hmm. just sort of like okay so these guys are getting targeted when he shows up with the black eye, you could just immediately put one and one together. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he says specifically, it is it is um, uh, Ruffalo's partner who right, does right. that. Oh, but I'm saying even before he says it, yeah, you're just like, I know exactly it. what the fuck happens yeah. here. Right. Um, he fits the profile that they're fucking looking for. Uh, and the atom he's trying to split is John Wayne Gacy is innocent because it was his desire that made him kill those people. So the desire is guilty. And you're just like, what the fuck are you talking he's, <laughs> he's not responsible for his feelings because his feelings took over. Yeah, mm, I mean, yeah. Mm. And I think that that's so much of like the underlying critique of, of this film is that men are like acting on their impulses. And you can't hold them responsible and for that. Men just have urges. Right, yeah. That's like the argument that men keep on making in this movie to her 
And then he does this fucking extra fucking graphic design on his essay where he like <laughs> puts MS Paint blood spatter on it. So they see that and it's like red flag out the butt. But then, I, I, as you were saying, Jordan, when he shows up at her place and she just sort of like puts the brakes on it, right? Like reciprocating his advances at first. They're kissing. She's taking her shirt off. And then she's like, I'm drunk. I'm traumatized. I can't handle this. He immediately goes into, fuck you. I don't want to sleep with you. How dare you turn me down? I'd never fuck you. So many of the conversations in this movie truly just, I, I know I'm repeating myself here, feel like Tinder correspondences that people post. Um. I know what you're saying. Right. Obviously, also what happens is your sister gets uh, her head cut off as well. That, mm-hmm. that, that, that's happening in the third act of the film. Um, she gets disarticulated. She gets her, she gets all chopped up. And, and, and Meg Ryan, I mean, walks in. What's the thing she sees first? Well, she sees like the there's blood all over like the boiler. Remember right. like, in the bathroom right. or whatever? Like it's it's just it's that shot of her opening the doors and there's like steam coming out I of the just bathroom. I feel like there was I'm forgetting, but there's, there's something. a little piece of hair on the bed. Oh, that's what. Oh it is. yeah, Thank right, you. right, so right. She's right, the right, little right. piece of hair on the bed, but otherwise the apartment looks kind of fine. But then she's already sort of like ready for. She knows. Well, her and you sort of realize it too. Because it's not being shot that way, but you're like, oh, wait, we're about to enter a crime scene. Right. And like, then the bathroom is, about is just a fucking bad. nightmare, and her yeah. head is in a, she's a all, garbage she's bag all dead. in the bath. And she, Meg Ryan just cradles the head and cries obsessively. I mean, and Ruffalo has to come in and her. be like, you, you have to give the fucking disembodied head back. And then I, I guess it's not long after that, you know, that's then that's what well, he know, explains the, how. Right. Right. She but, demands, tell me how this happened, and right, he gets. Right into too much detail. He does. I yeah. mean, he's, he's desensitized yes. or whatever. He's, or is he a sociopath? As she wonders, right. so she locks him to, uh, you know, to she her, right, yeah. to her pipe in her apartment. Right. Well, because first, versus the, 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 there's the murder. Right. There's Cornelius confronting her. Uh, there's, but the scene where she fucks him, where he's like, I want to watch you fuck me. Right. That's, is that when she handcuffs yeah, him? Yeah, that's right. when and she, she handcuffs him. Yeah, and then afterwards right. she handcuffs him. She asks right. him about the tattoo. Yes. And she's completely discombobulated when she, you know, gets basically picked up by Rodriguez and he takes her to the Little Red Lighthouse. I mean, this is a point <laughs> where I think people who are already out in this movie go like, this is absurd. What the fuck is happening? Why, would Why she is she do this? literally going right. to the lighthouse? Why is she yeah. following this guy? It's so good, though. Yes. It, I mean, the Little Red Lighthouse is one of the great, you know, New York City locations. It's mm-hmm. never been used well in a movie. I love that Jane Campion's like, let's just let's just finish that everything there. Sure, and it's it's, it's a great motif. Weird villain headquarters. Yeah, that's where yeah. he uh, he wants to. Uh, what does he want to do? Like, does he want to give her food or something? Like, or he says, I'm probably gonna have to keep you here for a couple of weeks because people saw me leaving with you. But then you know, and he's doing the "Will you marry me?" thing. Oh with yeah, the ring. he's got like wine, and he's like the playing wine, that's music, right, right, right. right. And then Swish he, and, and then he just like has the knife with the engagement ring on it. Yeah, just like put on the fucking ring. <laughs> it's it's, it's I, There's also we should mention. I mean the the running thing of of the sort of ice skating oh, flashback. Right. I love that right. shit. Right. Oh man, yes, it's so good. Love the love the whole like silent film aesthetic of it. Right. 
right. This this entirely artificial idea of this like very sanitized chivalry and and sort of courtship. And, and all the details of it are so absurd that they met and 15 minutes later were engaged. Right. It's something out of a fucking 40s movie. But actually, really, he's been married five times. Right. Like they're half sisters. Yes. You know, yes. like you find out like so much more about this, this, who this guy it's really like was. It's like a fucking fantasy that they grew yeah. up on that yeah. I think. Uh, Meg Ryan has spent her life hoping she could replicate in her life that she could experience a Meg Ryan movie plot, right? Like she wishes she had had a Meg Ryan rom-com romance, but just Campion's choice to frame that in this very stylized artificial way just like makes it clear like just how much of an impossible ideal this is. But the more important thing is her going back to Ruffalo in that final shot of them when he's still handcuffed. Oh, yes. man. It's such a great way to... It's such a good mic drop. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, he, and he's also, like, he's been trying to, like, get his hand free, so he's, like... And it was, like, connected to, like, a water pipe, so there's also, like, water everywhere. It's I mean, so good. this is a movie where you expect when she goes to the lighthouse that you're gonna think she's about to be killed, and then a shot comes from somewhere, and you see Mark Ruffalo there, and he's, like, yanked the fucking heater out... And he's made it there somehow in like record time and right. saved her ass. Um, and instead, he's yeah. just still there locked up and she figures out her own shit. I love it. I love it. And it absolutely probably sends you out with just like question mark, question mark, F, question mark. F, F, stamp, stamp, I stamp. just, <laughs> I just, I, I totally get it. And I remember seeing it at the time and it was one of those things of like, kind of like I talked about AI, right? That, yes. you know, like movies like that at the era where I walked out and I was like, well, I, I know that wasn't, um, you know, that that was messy or like that that, right. that didn't follow like the normal parameters of what, That's not what learning is a good movie. Out of this. Yes. So like I would be like, so, but it's underrated and it's interesting and it's yeah. like a four out of five. You know what I mean? Right. Like back when I was a teenager and I quite, I lacked like the, the courage, courage of, of convictions. Yes. Courage of my convictions. Yeah. Um. You know, because that's the year, obviously, of like Lord of the Rings, Hulk, uh, sweeping, yeah, Hulk, Hulk, yeah sure. Hulk, Hulk, but it's also like Lost in Translation is it, sort yes. of the indie sensation of the year. Hulk Kill Mountain, Bill, Finding Nemo, sure, Matrix Finding sequels, Nemo. the Matrix sequels. Uh, another thing where I had to discover the courage of my conviction, right? Uh, Mystic River and Elf are sort of like that's now officially the next wave of comedy. Anointed Pirates of the Caribbean, obviously, is the big right. summer movie. Right. Um, Master Commander is the big, like you know, prestige movie, movie. Right. Of the year. big boat movie of the year. Uh, uh, Elephant Samurai, wins the Palm Door. Fog, sure, sure. Mm. Um, you know, it's a very interesting, exciting year in yeah. cinema, in my opinion. But this is absolutely on nobody's list. Nope, it's not getting any critical awards. No. Uh, it's at TIFF. It's not at a awardsy. Fe- it's not at Cannes or Venice. Uh, oh, and like I guess TIFF was not as awardsy as it was. It's more of just like a fall right. launch pad. Because the following year is Sideways. Sure. Right? Still Which never is- seen that. Sideways is fucking good. Merlot. I will say, when that movie came out, I was not crazy about it. And I was such a big Alexander Payne fan and such a big Giamatti fan. And I was disappointed by it. And unsurprisingly, that is maybe a movie that plays better when you're not 15 years old. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would imagine. Like, I was in middle school when that movie came out, so. I just remember being like, no, 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 I get it. I get it. I just don't think it's very good. And then I watch it now, and I'm like, oh, now I've made some mistakes in my life, and I'm in my 30s. I think this is a good film. <laughs> um, I have good. not seen Sideways since 2004. I had not seen it since 2004 until about a year ago, and I, th- I think it's very good. Um, 
sideways. That was such a thing. That is funny. But I'm saying yeah. that was such a like Toronto launch. Yeah, no, for and sure. And it won Oscar. every and critics award. Maybe like, oh, whatever wins at Toronto is going to be a major player for the rest of the year. Well, this didn't win at Toronto. Nah. Let's see what won at Toronto that yeah, year. 2003, what won at Toronto? Do you want to guess? Is it one of the movies we list already? Come on. Who won? Where's the awards? Jesus. Scroll, scroll. That's the other thing because Toronto is the audience award. It's like, oh, oh no, this isn't a jury. You're never going to guess. Zat- Zatoichi won the People's Choice Award that Weird. year. The uh, Takeshi Kitano, yeah. you know, blind swordsman. No, because uh, after yeah. this point, outside of that weird movie, uh, Bella, which inexplicably won the audience award, it's usually a, everything be a that wins thing. becomes like a fucking a contender. Oscar. Bella? Have you, this, it was this weird fucking half Spanish drama that won the audience award out of nowhere and then everyone's like is this thing going to be some crossover success and it came out and everyone shrugged in the cut though is actually the best yeah yeah and rules just sidebar the only reason i remember bella is because bella's entire marketing campaign was here are 15 other movies that won the audience award at toronto sure it literally was just like we have no other hook for this other than to say sideways won and fucking uh, princess bride won well, I don't know that movie. It I haven't exist. seen it. it right. It doesn't right. exist. Yeah. Um, but yes, it is. I mean, well, there's the occasional, like Eastern Promises won one year. That's the mm-hmm. Canada thing. Occasionally, Canada will yes. win out at the at Right. The, um, the Belfast Green Book. You know, you're forgetting Where Do We Go Now? A weird winner. What is that? Yeah, exactly. But occasionally, it's, it's something unusual. Okay. Mm-hmm. What won last year, though? I mean, last year. Last year. 2021, well, I mean, you know. Right. What? what Belfast. Did- Oh, well, that's, I just said Belfast. I, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, I was usually, really? I, that? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's usually the straight down the middle thing. I forgot what year it was. I thought you were saying 2020. I know. I, I realized I was being yep. The year before was Nomadland. The year before right. Was right. Jojo Rabbit. Right. The year before that was right. Green Book. Yes. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Box office. No, no attention, though. Just none. Yeah. It sinks like a stone. Gets bad reviews. I don't know when it had its reappraisal to be honest i know i, I do, guess it was just sort of a i think thing. when we saw it in 2017 it had not been fully reclaimed well, i was i um, remember I when, I, when i when right, i when i put my when i published my piece mm-hmm. at the beginning of 2019 um the only other like uh published work that i knew liked the movie was uh um christina newland's book um she lost it at the movies. There's a there's a pro in the cut essay in that. And this is like it's funny because like if you get it, it's like it was in the cut essay, and like so many people would assume that it was me. And it's like sure. no, it turns out there was someone who has there been are thousands doing, of us. Yeah, yeah. There there was someone else, and when I saw oh, it's another woman who rides for this movie, I was like okay, maybe I can start talking about this movie. And I remember at first when I talked, started tweeting about it and talking about how much I loved it. I got like a lot of like anger and a lot of pushback from people and it was mm. just like a weird thing where like people just get mad because I liked the movie and I mean that's still that doesn't really happen that much anymore so it really does yeah. feel like it was in like the last three or four years. Yeah I think people finally chilled out. I mean the Wikipedia page there's the uh, you know the section on reception and it's it's first contemporary and it's mostly people giving it bad reviews or people going like there's some interesting things going on here, but it's obviously a mess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of like what you're saying, David, uh, the way you talked about at the time. 
And then uh, it says, In the Cut was among the films discussed favorably by Slavoj Žižek in The Pervert's Guide to Cinema. He did, he did do that. So it feels like that's an early example of someone really like Stanford Hart. And then the next paragraph is retrospective. And Jordan, you're the one person who's you're, sort of like quoted an excerpt in that from your piece. I, hmm. But now it's like Fangoria has reclaimed it. Uh, Nick James put it on his sight and sound list. Fucking David Thompson. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, Demby, I'm I'm seeing some of the reviews JJ's put in here. JJ and Nick, sorry, I put it in here. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Demby panned it, said it was phony, didn't like the ending. The ending, I should uh, note, in the book, she died. Right. In the book, the guy kills her uh, with a scalpel. Right. Uh, Whereas in the movie, Campion was like, I just can't have that. Uh, And talked to the author about like, she, like, that can't be how this character's journey uh, concludes. Uh, But he just, you know, like, just very dismissive review there. Stephanie Zaharik, uh, a colleague who I admire, obviously, but uh, wrote a really good negative review. Uh, that is sort of worth checking out. Not like a super negative review, but kind of like a, I struggled with this movie yeah. uh, review. I want to, sh- this incredible, let me find it. Can I share uh, an unsubstantiated IMDb uh, trivia fact while you search for this? Because yeah. I just find this very uh-huh. funny. <clears throat> Mickey Rourke was initially considered for a supporting role. However, his involvement was allegedly vetoed by Nicole Kidman on the strength of Rourke's wild reputation. Rourke has stated in interviews that he was disappointed by this as he believes it would have fast-tracked his comeback. Yeah, I don't think that's true, Mickey. No. No, uh, Mickey Rourke, the most self-destructive that, that man. That made up Looking me. at the response in the cut and going like, fuck, I wish I had been in that thing. Well, that he, given him me being juice. in anything in that era probably would have helped, I guess. he was. He was but they'd put him in shit and people would be like, like he was in fucking Domino once about time in Mexico and whatever. Yeah, anyway. anyway. Here's the depiction, the, the, sorry, the de- description of critics that Campion has okay. recently that yes. I love. The first ring of reviewers in America are always men. It's this mountain of corduroy you have to get through. <laughs> that is the line I love. They're not secure. Right. So to see women talking about them yeah. rudely, it might as well be them. David's trademark blazer found She calls it the corduroy wall. Uh-huh. And like they set the tone. Uh, and so she thinks that, like, if you're showing them a movie that has extreme content or something, sometimes it can mm-hmm. just not go over yes. the corduroy mm-hmm. wall. Um, That's great. Anyway, uh, so good. Um, yeah. Manola Dar, just as you said, has a much more interesting review. Right. Uh, Rosenbaum also had it. She kind of half defended. Noel Murray, I think, kind of half defended it. Uh, great movie. Opened. All right. So let's do the limited release, though. Yeah. A week before Halloween. Opens. How, how wide does it go on Halloween? On Halloween, it goes up to 825 screens. Okay. And it, it goes to number 11. Okay. Yeah. Behind a film called Good Boy, that I've never heard of. Oh, that's a movie about a talking alien dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the week before, it's, it's fairly... I think it's, it's the dog. There are no new... I'm a dog. There are no new releases. In, Call me Good Boy. In, on Halloween, as you noted. Yes, right. Uh, the only new release is The Human Stain. Okay. Uh, on Weird. limited yeah. uh, screen, so so, movie. Yeah. so it's the same basically. So number one at the box office mm. when in the cut is tanking. Yeah, is a a parody oh, film. A parody film opening is, huge to forty eight million dollars. Yes, it is a uh, uh, scary movie three. It's three it was huge. The first of the Zucker scary yeah. movies, right? Yeah. With Charlie Sheen. Two kind of dipped a little bit, and it felt like maybe. They did it a little too quickly, too. It came out really fast. And then the Waynes brothers move on. And then there was this sort of like, let's just fucking get a Zucker in here and throw everything into the mix. 
and it's not really about scary movies anymore. And now yeah, it's, it's fucking like Matrix parody. And Matrix shit. Eight Mile. Right, just, just do movies. everything. Right, right. Yeah. Scary becomes a, a meaningless term. Uh, but yes, a humongous hit. Huge hit. Scary Movie Three. Never seen. Number two is a remake of a horror film. Number two is a remake of a horror film. Two thousand three. It would have been Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's right. Film that has an unbelievable trailer. Does it? It has a trailer that like chilled me to my core, and I was like, "Is this going to be a fucking masterpiece?" And the movie is not as interesting as the trailer. It was, I, from my memory, at least the first Jessica modern Beale. trailer to use the trick of it feels like the projector is breaking down. Sure, right. Which right. is very unsettling to That's, see in a theater. What's that? What's this, what is that company? The Michael Bay company called Silver Platinum Dunes. Uh, Platinum, Platinum Dunes, Dunes. Yeah. not Silver Dunes. Right. David Platinum Dunes. That's Platinum like Dunes. the beginning of the Platinum Dunes run. Right. But that movie was very big, and that kickstarted the remake horror fever for all these movies that were seen as. Uh, untouchable and had been diminished by multiple I've, sequels. It was I've like, never reboot seen them all. I've never seen. It's Have you born. seen the Texas Chainsaw? Yeah, it's free it, I mean, like, it looks really good. It has a right, couple good performances good, yeah. in it. Like, Arlie Ermey is really fucking good in it. It's just, it, it, it cannot capture the weird sort of like gonzo artistry of the original. Number three at the box office is one of the most notorious failed attempts at an Oscar nomination of all time. Oh, I honestly credit to this movie, which yeah. I considered a complete flop, to opening to thirteen million dollars, huh? More than I would have thought. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're saying for a best picture nomination, or no, is there like acting. an acting? Okay, it's notorious. Notorious. Yes. Oscar-winning actor playing yeah. someone with, let's be honest, yeah. an intellectual disability. Oh, of course. Oh, wait. This motion picture is are called, you, do you want to say it, Jordan? Oh, my God. Are you talking about I Am Sam? No. no. I'm not talking about Worse. I Am Sam, but it's in the Worse I Am Sam today. zone. This movie is called Radio. Cuba, oh, Cuba my Junior. God. I remember Radio. Radio as, and shopping cart. I remember radio. my mom renting this and me watching it in her bedroom and being like, what? What is now, happening? He's I've never seen radio. Uh -huh. uh, I know he has a radio and that's why they call him radio. But what does he do? Like he plays football or something? No, he like, like, helps his... out with the team. He, okay. Yeah, he helps out with the team. He's like, oh, yeah, he's kind of like our mascot. Right. Like, it's like a dramatic yeah. version of the water boy, except he doesn't Jesus. play. Right. Yes. right. Yeah. I mean, it's and based on a real story. And they were like, radio is the most inspiring man. It was based on some Sports Illustrated right. story of like, oh, you know, this high school football team has this guy who's like sweet and helps out. Like, and they were like, Oscar, we're going to get one. But you yeah. Want, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about like, let's exploit the story about this black man. Right. Who definitely it, did not get paid. Oh, totally. Uh, uh, interesting counterpoint uh, or not counterpoint, but like counter counterweight to, uh, all this stuff we're talking about with fucking Meg Ryan's career and where she was at crossing 40, no one knowing what to do with her and rejecting her, uh -huh. her attempts to stretch out of this. Uh, I believe, Radio was Deborah Winger's first movie in like six years. Hmm. And in that downtime, uh, Rosanna Arquette had made the documentary Searching for Deborah Winger, okay. which got some traction. That was like her talking about like, why do all actresses disappear after 40? Right, right, right. Right. right? And right. like Deborah Winger was like the woman of her generation, got fucking four Oscar nominations and now just hasn't appeared on screen. And it was like, what happened to her? And it was her interviewing actresses on the cusp of 40 who had just turned 40 that thread of just feeling the parts disappear and then they get to Deborah Winger and she's just kind of like, I don't know, no one's giving me anything fucking good. I just like, nothing dramatic happened to me. It's just, there's no reason to work. And then she comes back and she's like, 
thankless, supportive wife role to Ed Harris coach in radio. And it was so depressing. It's well, I mean, I'm glad that she's back now with. Yeah, um, she does. Shit. Yeah, she was in Kajillionaire. Yep. And I thought that she was really great in that. She's in um, The Lovers. Yep. She's great movie. Yeah, she was, with Tracy yeah, Letts. She's really yeah with Tracy Letts. She's really great in that. Hundred episodes of The Ranch, quietly Netflix's uh, most watched series ever. Maybe. Oh my god, The Ranch. The Ranch but, is on the so, ranch. But like, wasn't the whole thing with Deborah Winger though that she was like difficult? That was yes. also part of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was, uh, by all accounts, when you look at it now and you read the, the exact pieces in which people tried to explain her difficult uh, behavior, you're like, sounds like she had integrity. Sounds like she wanted things to be good. Anyway, Dave is doing a, a yeah, shaky uh, hand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number four at the box office yeah. is a, a dying genre. The Grisham thriller. Oh, Might be the last one, I think. It's Runaway Jury. It's Runaway oh, Jury. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh, this is the final Grisham movie that's not like Christmas with the Cranks or whatever, like, yeah. which yeah. technically is a Grisham right. film. It's, it's Hackman's yes, second to it. last film, and the whole thing is like Hackman and fucking Hoffman together. Right, although, are they... I've seen this film yeah. because I watched every John Grisham yeah. movie in quarantine or maybe before. I can't remember when the, I did that. So the funny story of this movie is they put them together and everyone's like, fuck, these two guys and the generation. Big, big and they were actors. Fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Living together, all this shit. They've never been in a movie together. Roommates. And then they do the movie and then they're like, oh, fuck, we forgot to write any scene for them to be in. Because so they're both like in different war right. rooms, like going like, we got to get the best runaway juries or whatever. I saw this right. movie on a plane it, like, yeah. 19 years ago, but there was one scene, I believe, where they stand next to each other at urinals and talk and they had to like do that in reshoots because they realized right. they had fucked up so badly and never had them interact. That mo- Like the Grisham run is the firm, yep. the Pelican brief, the client, a time to kill. Like right. this is where these things are huge right. at the box office. And the chamber, the rainmaker, the gingerbread man. Okay, the <laughs> bloom is off the rose. Right. And then this is just kind of, it's like, okay. Hollywood's just like, great. Nobody wants these anymore. But it was fine. like a middling double. I'm sure uh, it made, made a bunch of money on $49 million. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it did okay. Was yeah. that the one with John Cusack? Yeah, Rachel Weisz. Yeah. It was like a stack cast. It has a good cast. Yeah. It's, it's Cusack, Weisz, uh, Hackman, Hoffman. Bruce McGill, oh. Jeremy Piven. Oh man, Jeremy, Jeremy Piven. Leland Orser. Do you think he plays a creepy guy? <laughs> this is maybe the third episode in a row where you made that joke. I don't even remember why he's <laughs> going. He's always popping up. Um, anyway, anyway. Uh, but I, you know what? But I watched that movie like pretty recently, and I don't remember anything about sure. it. I think, sure. Except that I think Hackman's good. Yeah, because the thing with Hackman is in those movies, he's good. Like even when it's a total like behind enemy lines, like total like nothing. Incredible he's still actor. good. We were we were texting about Hackman with our friends the Doughboys recently mm. and our ongoing thread of just like remember that guy when he was like the best actor in the fucking world he was good in everything and I shared with you guys this clip that I highly recommend of Kevin Costner being interviewed by Rich Eisen talking about doing uh what's that movie called uh, uh not no sudden move no way out no moves no way out no way out the no Costner way. Hackman movie yeah no way out. yes yeah. yes. Yeah. It's a, an incredible story about just uh, Costner talking about Hackman being the the best actor he had ever worked sure, with right. and the sort of it's advice early Costner that he gave right. him. And uh, Hackman was just the goat. But also, it, it fucking rad to just be like, I don't need this shit anymore. I'm just going to retire and res- write fucking historical thrillers. He's still alive? Yeah. Kicking it. Jordan, uh, Resurrection just bought, got bought by IFC Shudder. FYI. I, I love that. Me too. Oh, man. Good, good place for it to go. Uh, we were just talking about this is our favorite Sunday. One of our favorite to see it. I, nothing I love like more we were than uh, Overcranked Rebecca Hall Horror, my favorite subgenre. Right oh, my God. You, I can't wait. Were you a Nighthouse fan? 
I'm not a Nighthouse fan. But I feel like I'm the only person who no, 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 loves no, the, no, no, the Nighthouse. No, people are Boy. people really do like the Nighthouse. I love yet her performance another. in it. I think Incredible. the ending is what gets me. See, I I was warned we about the ending. About it worked this. for me, but her performance is just like I should watch oh, it. Yeah, no, she's yet. you're you're gonna like Resurrection. I can't wait. Yeah, she's it's really good. Um, <laughs> number five at the box office is mm-hmm. an. It, the, this is the funny thing. It's also based on like a paperback bestseller. Hmm. Um, it, but it's it's this is a movie that got nominated for Best Picture. This is like a, a big deal movie. Got nominated for Best Picture. Two thousand. It's sort of a comeback for its director, right? Critically, and, well, it's Mystic River. It's Mystic River, right. but like it's funny that like yes, Eastwood charts the new path of how to do the airport novel. I mean, yes. Dennis Lehane is above an airport thriller or whatever, but like yes. he's still you know he's a best selling paperback right. type you know genre writer. Yeah. Anyway, Mystic River. Mystic River. You know Not a movie I think either of us loved. No. I don't love it, but do you know who's good in it? Kevin Bacon. You, I mean, this was an early thing that you and I bonded over yeah. of like best performance. You also in the agree movie. that he's far and away the best performance in the movie, and the two guys who won Oscars for that movie are bad in it, right? Yeah. yeah oh, one hundred percent. Bacon's incredible in that movie. He's incredible in that movie, and that movie is that Wait. movie is not yeah. good. Sean Penn can't remember the last time Sean Penn is that, was good. It, it is just kind of funny how much that movie did for Eastwood, mm-hmm. Robbins, and Penn. And Bacon's Penn. just like, guess I'll go fuck myself, whatever. Right. And when you look at it now, you're just like, embarrassing work from all three. Yeah, I mean, no, I think, Ro- Robbins getting attention for that, very funny. And it makes I, Dennis <laughs> Lehane like this, like, hot, you it got does, to adapt author, right. and you're like, that's the worst adaptation of his work? It's a good book, too. It's a very yeah. good book. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Robbins, to me, is the one who's really bad in that Oscar win is inexplicable beyond, I guess, yes. just a sort of a career thing. Right. The yeah. Penn performance... I don't hate it, but it's well, just when like, you think about Eastwood too, right? Where it's like you just imagine Penn just detonating bombs like on set, and Eastwood right. being like, "Great, let's move on." You know, like yeah. no, okay. no attempt to modulate. You know, right. it's just he's right. just like more, more. It's just like, so you know, big. Like, I, right. That's how I imagine that. Way. But then, like, I just that movie comes out in New York Times is like this is perhaps the greatest performance in the history of cinema. Like it was just like, received not just as like it's time for him to win the Oscar, but like we have to reckon with he has redefined the art. There, there was also that thing of right of like well he should have won for dead man walking and like pen is undersung i mean look yeah, yeah. despite anyway. being a person who like was constantly burning bridges and making Absolutely. enemies and all of that so that was his whole oscar speech was like i know i haven't been easy to root for and it's like literally never i was yeah. actually just recently found out that he and uh vincent d'onofrio's daughter are breaking up and i was so glad i thought that that was so weird cool t- i'm to be very so <laughs> surprised to hear that marriage didn't work like I guess I married my dad's friend. Whenever know. anyone asks D'Onofrio about that, like on fucking Twitter, the terminally online Vincent D'Onofrio, he's he just very like, online. He wants uh, the pigs to look at the sky. I will not comment on this. Because <laughs> you know he hated it. He just hates it. He yeah. hated it. Uh, Sean Penn married uh, now Vincent D'Onofrio's like 26-year-old those family daughter. dinners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, totally forgot about that. That is that is wild. It's, it's the only thing Vincent D'Onofrio will not comment sure. on on it's Twitter. so good. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> Some other films in the top 10. He'll tweet about West Elm Caleb. Like he'll, t- oh, he'll tweet. He'll, of course. he'll tweet about anything. He'll hit those trending topics. Yeah. He'll, he'll barge right in. Yeah. School of Rock. A masterpiece. Kill Bill Volume 1. Intolerable a, a Cruelty. A, a movie I love. And one of the best movies about Star 69ing Italy under the Tuscan sun. Can you start 69 Italy? That's what Sandra O oh says in the trailer. Yeah, no, I remember. Never thought. Never, never forgot. That's a charming movie. Under, under Great the movie. Tuscan Sun. Beautiful. That's Wait, is this, was this also the Down with Love year? It is the Down that's, with Love that's year. That's that summer. Mm-hmm. Down with Love. Incredible movie. 
03 is like a good sign. The whole year is good. It's a good year for it's, movies. It, it really is. It's, it's a good year. A good year for movies. No, and, it really and is. And also just a year where you're like, people have diverse tastes. Audiences are going to see different genres at different of budget course. levels. Yeah, it's it's such a smorgasbord and we don't really have that anymore. And I also just recently watched Matrix Reloaded for the first time. Oh, Jordan, you cannot drop this. My number two movie of 2003. Off, it's man. Incredible. I couldn't believe it. I'd spent all these years being like, oh, the Matrix Reloaded is bad. And I was just like, you mean by bad, do you mean incredible? Great like, opinion by Jordan Searles <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Add it to the Wikipedia section. <laughs> Amazingly, not my number one movie of 2003, though. Your number like one Mas- movie of Master 2003 Commander. would have been Master and Commander. Oh, well, of course. Uh, and then Kill Bill is a great movie of that year. Absolutely. Is it in the cut your number three? In the cut is my number. Five, because I have reloaded in revolutions at two and three. Mm. Uh, Wait, so it's my number four. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, And Kill Bill is my number five. Um, Okay, wait, wait, wait. I need you to go down this list one to five right now. Uh, Master and Commander, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions in the cut, Kill Bill. Volume one, but you, you should think of those two matrixes. I'm kind of yeah. cheating think, yeah. by having yes. them next to each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I, Unknown Pleasures, uh, still one of my favorite. Uh, Ja Junka movies. I'm sorry if I mangled his name. Uh, I love Hulk, Griff. Right. You love. I do love The Fog of War. Errol Morris is The Fog of War. Big movie for me when I was 17. I do love Jerry. I mean, I'm Gus trying to, like, Jerry. I was as. I love Down with Love. We've covered. Wait, 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 wait. You loved Jerry? Jerry rules. <laughs> oh my God. I was all about around in that I'm learning desert. so much about you right now. Uh, I love uh, Open Range, the Kevin Costner oh, film. Oh, Open Range goes off. I love Goes yeah. all the way off. Uh, Costner I do finally love all the real movie. girls. Yeah. It was. Good, good. It was yes. uh, a champion I again of my teenagehood. Right. Um, I mean, I didn't see I love Guy Madden's Dracula Pages from a Virgin. Diary, as you one should, of my favorites as you absolutely him. should. I my, do love City of God. I haven't seen that in a long time. But I like that, that a lot of the time since it came out. I, I, yeah. I mean, as covered on this podcast, I was obsessed with Big Fish at the time and saw it like sure. eight times in theaters because it was the only movie that made me cry. That was definitely my number one at the time. I have not gone back and done a list through a modern prism. Both things I didn't see at the time, like in the cut and all the real girls are certainly way up there for me. But I'm God, like, all the real huge girls. for me at the time. Is my number one Hulk by default? I'm just like, know. I wonder if there's a movie I have invested more energy in, you know? I don't know. I, uh, I'd have to, I'd have to think it over. Um, yeah. absolutely. Sorry. Some of my other, wait, I was just, I got distracted by my, uh, I, I love, I love Intolerable Cruelty. Huge defender of that Nemo. movie. Uh, I love Shattered Glass. I think that movie is yeah. good. Uh, I like, uh, School of Rock. It's fun. Uh, I like Nemo. The Station Agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like something's got to give. I still need to see the station agent. Mm-hmm. Love something's got to give. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spike a lot of, a lot of game yeah. over. Sure. <laughs> and then there's a lot of like, like there's like Demon Lover, which is a movie that that's sort of like an in the cut kind of thing where like I've never been able to get yeah. to loving that movie, but I certainly admire I mean, that look, movie's just, energy. Very Ben Hosley movie. I'm sure he's never seen it, but he would he would dig. I'm just okay. looking at like okay. fucking August. Of 2003, and on one weekend you had like Freaky Friday, right? Like a surprisingly good Disney family comedy coming out at the same time as Secret Lives of Dentists and Magdalene Sisters, and Geely, and Geely, just hey. just like the variety there, you know. There's look, there was more variety. Back there was then. more. I love variety. SWAT. 
as you know. Well, of course. Uh, a movie you've threatened to cover on the podcast a couple times. Clark Johnson film. I'll stick up for Dreamcatcher any day of the week. Oh, my God. Hollywood should put out more Dreamcatchers you are and a, less You are truly Spider-Man. a loose cannon. I am a loose cannon. Um, Fighting Temptations, obviously. Um, you know, I have seen that, but not... It's kind of fun. Since, I love like, 2003. Fighting Temptations. Kind of a fun movie. Beyonce so... Beyonce and Cuba Gooding Jr. actually work really well together. Beyonce's memory hold movie career is a thing I will never Early stop Early Beyonce with. when she was just like, should I just, you know, kind of be in movies? like Doing, doing, doing like doing Car- Carmen a hip hop rock. Come okay. on. Gold, Gold member. member. She was great. She's incredible in Cadillac Records, obviously. Like, she, I yeah. love that early run of hers. Yeah. Before she became whatever. But then even when she a did. A goddess atop what, a pyramid. What's the fucking Idris Elba? Never perceive. Uh, yep. uh, 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 fucking other uh, woman. Is, is it Obsessed or. Right. Which was like a weirdly big hit. No one remembers. Uh, 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 yeah. Obsessed is a bad movie, but it was a big hit. It was a big ass hit. It was a big yeah. ass hit. Allie Larder. Watch She's out. She's great her. in Cadillac Records, which obviously we always stand any chance we can. Yeah. And she was in what I think was the highest grossing movie of all time, the Lion King remake. She's trying, I believe that was the number one highest grossing movie of all uh, time. Apparently. Because of her. Yes. It was the oh, yeah, it's definitely film. because of her. Definitely. I she, guess she'll be she in the Lion King. double duty on that, like releasing that album, oh, like, yeah. girl. I okay. guess she'll be in Barry Jenkins's The Lion King 2 Simba's Pride or whatever. Well, the idea It is- would be funny if he was like, so here's my take. It's just Simba's pride. I'm just I doing really that. The same thing. Wi- I the really want that to be it. I hope I he really does Lion do. King one and a half. Yeah, you know, do one and a half, baby. Was it Francis Gilster and his dad? Um, no, isn't the thought that it's Godfather Part Two that it's like a do a split narrative yeah, of young Simba, Simba and young Mufasa right. or whatever? King Simba and young Mufasa right. and Scar. I mean, hey, look. I don't know. Look, wouldn't I, it be I'll, great? I'll it. Wouldn't it be great if it was actually animated? Wouldn't it? Ugh. I would appreciate it. What if the I trailer event that. was hand I would actually Buy Barry watch Jenkins. it. <laughs> yeah, because true. I still have not seen uh, the the light. I'm not, it's not very good. That. Yeah, it's, it's, a, thing about it, it's, it's not really bad. very good. It's a bad. You may have you seen it and forgotten you saw it. It's yeah. it's pretty plausible. No, like I said, like I watched Black is King and I was like, oh, this guy, the songs, the songs, yeah. Black is, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Black, Black is King. The Lion is not, unfortunately. <laughs> did Black is King come out in quarantine? They're now things. It did come out in quarantine. Where I'm like, I watched that, but in that yeah. sort of swirling mess of early Abs- quarantine, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. 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 July 2020. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. We're done. The we're cut. Done. One of the great films. In the cut. One of the great films. I yeah. hope people enjoyed it, and if they didn't. Too bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan, do you have any final thoughts you want to share? The thing that In the Cut does that even even now, like in current times, we still really don't see uh, kind of like a reclaiming of eroticism in American cinema still. Still, eroticism is basically gone. And watching In the Cut just makes me think about like all of the female directors that could have... Because she really is one of the few that got a chance to make a movie like that. We didn't really talk about it, but like not a lot of women got to make erotic thrillers during that time. Yes. This is a pin I put in two hours ago that I'm now remembering I never got to resolve. But there is that weird thing. I mean, just talk about the deeply ingrained puritanical nature of American audiences and all of that shit. And now there's obviously every one month discourse of like our sex scenes bad why are marvel movies sexless and both arguments like bumping up against each other but so many of the most like hated like this was a disaster this movie is embarrassing it needs to be mocked hollywood movies of like 1990 to 2005 were highly sexual like things like basic instinct 2 which obviously like we haven't seen and i don't think is defendable 
But like the backlash to that was so much stronger than like a backlash to an action movie sequel, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, how dare you do this? Showgirls, obviously. Like there is this thing where like if you make a bad, sexy movie, it's like a crime against nature. How dare you put this in front of me? Well, yeah. And I mean, also. And, and, and look, it's happened with male stars like Color of Night and shit like that. But I think you are right. It's, this movie is unique in that it's one of those directed by a woman mm. with the perspective of a woman, which is maybe why it got an even worse response. Yeah. And it's not just that it got like a response because people are afraid of sex. It's that people decided that it was badly made. Like the cognitive yeah. dissonance of deciding that a film that is this well made is badly made like it was like there was something about the rewiring of the brains like i'm not you don't have to like this movie right. but to say that it's badly made is just factually untrue yeah <laughs> so it's just yeah i just i i i am one of those people where it's just like can we please bring sex back to movies can we please bring back uh chemistry casting mm-hmm. my lord yep like uh, yep. like you <laughs> i it's just when you watch, when I watch it, the thing that's that was so that really like jolted me. It was really like a shot to the arm, and I was really energized by this movie. Mm. Was because it just reminded me of when people were able to like have their bodies in an American film, yes, and it be casual, just like her, like Meg Ryan lying in bed with Jennifer Casual's Jason Lee, yes. like them in just the like, bath, things right. like that them just like spending time together and like it, the way that they're they're close to each other it, it's like they're so like the sisterhood in that is like it's so intimate and it's so real like of course you're not going to put on all your clothes to hang out with your sister right like you know and they're like and she and you know Jennifer Jason Lee's like thanks for 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 letting for sharing your bed just like this like this ability to be close and to be in your body and to display your body and especially at like in getting like older, which they both were getting older at the time. And they just like, it just, it was just so, it was just so beautiful to see them. And it's beautiful to see how they're shot. And I think that a lot of the backlash had to do with the fact that like so many of these erotic thrillers that we grew up with didn't really like sex. And In the Cut is a movie that likes sex, that likes women's bodies, that isn't afraid of women's bodies. It's not punishing people for having sex. And, and, yeah. for, and for how hot this movie is, it, the sexuality in the movie is not exclusively designed to titillate. And no. I do think sometimes with maybe the wall of corduroy, there is this violent response of like, I didn't find this fucking hot. I didn't have a boner. What the fuck is this movie doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a bunch of people who, like, really... And that's why, like, sometimes when people are talking about, like, the male gaze, people are so obsessed with the male gaze, subverting the male gaze, what the male gaze is. But the thing about it is is that, like, as a bisexual woman who watches movies, like, it's hot. Like, if it's hot, it's hot. If it's not hot, it's not hot. Like, it's not, like... In a, in a situation like this where, like, you are able to see there are ways to display a woman's nude body in a way that you don't have to say male gaze. I sure. agree with that. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Movies are ton ton. innately voyeuristic. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, sexiness is inherently part of the chemical makeup of movies as an art form. Uh, we shouldn't be running away from yeah, that. Yeah, and I think that it's, I think that it's notable that the loudest voices reclaiming it right now are women because we find it hot. It was almost like nobody really asked us before. Sure, 
And there, I mean, of course, there are women who did not like this movie, but they're also from like a different generation than a lot of us who are writing for it right now. And I think that that also matters. I mean, full circle, but fucking whatever it was four years ago, Nicole Kidman signed this big deal with Amazon about like, I want to bring erotic thrillers back. Where are these $30 million star-driven movies you can watch with a bottle of wine? And it was a big fucking deal that she was going to bring this thing back and not one film has come out of that deal. Jordan, thank you so much for being on the show. People should listen to Bad Romance. Yeah, please do. Um, please do. Great podcast. You host with Bronwyn, Ariel, Isaac. Uh, and uh, I want to thank everyone for uh, listening to this show. Wow. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our, our social media, Joe Bowen, and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. AJ McKee and Alex Barron for our editing. Uh, Leigh Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song. JJ Birch, Nick Lariano for our research. You can go to patreon.com slash blank check for blank check special features uh, where at this point we're still on Ghostbusters. Uh, I have no sense of time. We're doing Ghostbusters, then we're doing The Matrix. Yeah, I don't don't know where we're at. I don't remember where. Who knows where we're at? I think we're in the Matrix. We're either in the after. The Matrix is about to start. We're no, about I to looked, enter the Matrix. Yeah, we're going to do the Matrix. <laughs> okay? We're in the Matrix. You sick fucks, we're going to do the Matrix again. We got the last Ghostbusters coming up. And, then. and it's great. And it's very normal. The Ghostbusters episode, we're in a really good mood for those last two episodes. <laughs> They're two movies that are really fun to talk about. Um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, go to the Blank Check website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I gotta list all the other links. Yeah, all there now. All we fucking done it. I'm just so tired Enough. of doing all this shit. We thank nobody. I, th- I, will, I will never thank anyone ever again. Tune in next week for Bright Star. Yeah. Your favorite movie, 2009. Definitely. Uh, Great movie. Great you film. love. Uh, I do. And as always, no sense of cock whatsoever. No sense of cock whatsoever. No sense of cock whatsoever. No